This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 205, the 2021 Prelims and Semis. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Good sip right there. Get in here. Hey, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. This is how this one starts. Get in here. All right. Get Listen, nobody ever gets to experience my sips. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I keep them out of the show. And here, this is just for turn it up. I'm going to give you a second. Turn it up. Okay. If it's on, you're on your AirPods, take them out. Put them on your speaker system. All right. I want your boss home, to hear this one. Home theater. All right. Here we go. Get ready. All right. That was horrible. So if you haven't already left, please don't leave yet. I have to tell you about the finals of our tournament. It's going to be August 7th. August 7th, Saturday, August 7th at 1400 UTC. You have to be there. When is it? August is my first question. August 7th at 1400 UTC. What time? 1400 UTC. And what was the day again? August 7th, Saturday. Saturday, August 7th at 1400 UTC. And when does it happen? 1400 UTC. On August 7th? On August 7th, which is a Saturday. And that's the finals of the Space Cats Peace Turtles Patreon Turtles 2021 edition. when you say August 7th, does that mean the 7th day of August? It does. Uh, it can also mean the 8th day of not uh, of the last day of July. What? What? <laughs> Isn't that how you count your days? So, just want to say it here at the top. The finals is on August seventh at oh, fourteen hundred. Thank you. UTC. I almost forgot to do. Just that. wanted That's to very mention that to bring into Please, the top of this. Please uh, consider watching it. Yeah, we worked hard. Yep. to get here. Boy, did we? Uh, not worked just we, hard. You worked all. Long. Yeah, lots well, of people. Three hundred and thirty-six people worked hard to get here. That's true. A lot of your contributions are negligible compared to the <laughs> giant mountain lift. That, that flat that, tomatoes that Matt endured. Does. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, no, so first off, funny things about this year's tournament is uh, this podcast feed has had a shocking lack of tournament coverage. I think that's the biggest difference this year. Is it shocking? It's not shocking to me or you, but it, I think some people in the community are a bit shocked. So here's the thing. It, first year, we did like a lot of tournament updates episodes, more than we even anticipated doing, but we just kept... We kept no, doing it. We and kept you know what? Because no, we, didn't have, we didn't have time to think about anything right, else. Right. We did not. Here's what happened. Is in days yonder. when I used to work at a biscuit place. Some biscuit place uh, in Portland. Uh, Matt, you worked for some television show yeah. in Portland. Sure. Called Portland something, I Portland, think. Portland. I think it was called Portland I, Show. Yeah, I don't know. It was like, you know, something like that. Right. Uh, so you you were busy doing that. I was busy with biscuits. Yep. Uh, we both were kind of on equal footing there as far as our, yeah. our non-Space like, Cats non-space careers. Cats. Yeah. Um, so when the tournament was going, obviously it went from just being a little rinky-dink podcast we were doing uh, to being something where it required us to think about it a lot and yeah. on the regular. I used to only think about this show one day a week. Right. Suddenly, when we did our first tournament, it was like, oh my God, I have to think about this like Constantly. all weekend, yep. and it kind of just has to always be in my life a little bit. 
Um, but we did not have time, I think, to actually do the show and do the tournament. Right. We, we weren't honest with ourselves. And so basically what happened was we were doing the tournament. And so the show had to just be about the tournament because that's all we had time to do. Right. And we got some backlash from that the first year. The first year, people were like, hey, we want more strategy guides. Enough of this. Just like, tar- I'm not watching this tournament. Right. So give me something different. So this was like TI as a game to watch on the reg hadn't evolved yet sure and then the second year we had the the flip side of that of the tournament got much bigger very quickly yeah and we couldn't stream all of the prelims we had to stack prelims we were having five or six game prelims games every single weekend yeah for last year's uh, things so and and hunter and i were not involved with a lot of those we had a huge amazing team of tourney moderators that were running those games in the prelims and so then really it just became about semis season so it's like the only thing on our youtube is the semis and finals uh from last year which that was the big thing this year we were like can't have that again gotta have all the games up right but because we are constantly streaming ti now it has meant uh it feels weird to then only make the show that we could have maybe done like a couple like midpoint like hey let's talk about the prelims so far let's talk about the qualifiers qualifiers are sort of like last year's prelims where hunter and i were not directly involved with most of them they sort of just had to happen in the background yeah because it was 24 extra games on top of the 36 games we had to do yeah but yeah so this year you haven't gotten much out of us so if you haven't been watching the tournament this episode is for you yes uh and we're gonna start it don't freak out we're gonna do a bunch of non-spoilers if you're looking forward to watching a bunch of the prelims uh or, or the, the semis. semis, yeah. And uh, roughly halfway through this episode, later on, we will give you a bunch of notice, but later on this episode, we will do some spoiler stuff. But the, we're going to start it off with just talking through, just sort of not spoiling games, but we are going to talk about kind of like how this tournament felt, uh, some statistics that we can kind of know about yeah. Um, without like telling you exactly how, how games uh, resulted. Yeah, this is uh, an opportunity for us to uh, maybe tease you into jumping on board yep. and maybe not necessarily this is not uh bingeable content i mean these are the prelims is 36 games of twilight imperium so it's yeah. 36 videos of roughly eight hours right do you even have enough time it's like 300 hours could of you is are you may already I didn't be out have of time. enough time i know well, i just mean like games. is there enough time between now and august 7th at 1400 to utc <laughs> to watch all 36 games if that's what you wow. wanted to do yeah, or, or, and and including if you somehow like there's most of the qualifiers are uh, in a playlist on stads youtube um so you can watch all 60 games of the prelims and then oh the God. six games of the semi 60 well, no, but that's games. what i'm saying is right is there enough physical time there is literally you're out of time if you wanted to do that i think that ship already sailed now, we are going to uh, pay attention because towards the end of this first uh, segment here, we are going to recommend some games if you want to kind of just see some highlights. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of great games. We're just, there's there's many, been ones many that you'll see the community talk about, you'll see yeah. referenced, and if you want to be kind of in the know of those things, those are the ones we're going to highlight. Yeah. Lots of amazing play in all the games, but we're just going to highlight the sort of like meme-worthy ones or things that had a special quality that makes them sort of noteworthy. Yeah, and uh, also, uh, if you are a new person wanting to get into the tournament uh, in time for the finals, um, we are not going to kind of recover stuff like the draft and the maps. Right. There are videos for that, though. We have a video for our prelims map, and we have a video for our semifinals right. map uh, that sort of breaks down and explains how our tournament works so if you're like a little bit lost on that check out those two videos they are on the youtube 
Um, but yeah, so we let's talk about the prelims first, right? Yeah. 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 So no spoilers. Uh, again, sixty games on one map. Yeah. This has never been done <laughs> in TI before. Now we, yeah. I mean, we have no way to log how many times like the learn to play map in the base game has been played on. That's probably had more than sixty games. Probably. But we, we nobody was tracking the stats on that. Yeah. So the community really took the brunt of the stat collection this year. And in, in, in past years, I sort of took that on myself with the help of a couple people. But this year, it was like, nah, we got you. The Parsley Sage, huge shout out to them first and foremost. They they have like the most ridiculous stats page ever. But also people like Jasper and Stads were were and like I think Patience was involved in keeping track of the Excel document that right. that has all of the games listed all the factions listed and whatnot but yeah huge props to the community for keeping track of all these stats because we it's rare to have this sort of opportunity one single map and we can see how a bunch of different factions play now we can't draw distinctions uh we can't draw any conclusions about twilight imperium as a whole from this stuff but we well, can except know that it sucks except that the rest of the game is only bad unless you play it our way uh but the the what we can look at these stats is to know with this map, with this draft method, let's learn kind of what that broke. And I'm not yeah. trying to make big... Yeah, again, I'm not making conclusions here. I'm I'm saying we can look at what happened and let's talk about what happened and just try, you know, just draw some analysis from that. So uh, the first thing is there were six, you know, named slices. Down with the sliceness, which was our yellow <laughs> slice. And Miller High Slice, which was our blue slice. Champagne of slices. They both kind of underperformed this year. And they, they were always regarded as the worst slices. Um, so what ended up generally happening is if there was a first pick faction worthy of taking, whoever took that would end up in like yellow and blue. Right. They, they yellow, always, which was down with the slice. Right. So they, they would always, uh, be the last two picks. And it turned out really that was the weakness. Less that down with the slices is just a bad slice. It's, it has trouble. It's not a great slice. But it also was suffering from someone who was picking a faction absent of any potential synergy. Whereas sixth in the draft pick on the prelims map has usually a wide array of factions and slices to pick from. And they get to pick a combo that that like kind of stings. So I want to make sure that people understand even what we're talking about because I feel like we may have just lost some people. So So what 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 we're talking about is how well did our prelims map perform as follow as far as equality yeah. uh, between the types of wins uh, that we saw from each slice there are six spots at the table um, we made the map to be fair however not the the slices were not um, created to be each equal to each other right but instead were meant to play off of our drafting method right um, and in that way you should expect uh, what were you saying? Like seventeen percent win rate for each right. a one, spot. A one out of six win rate is about about seventeen percent. It's like sixteen point right. seven, I think. Actually, what whatever it's it is a roughly seventeen percent. Right, and we saw a, a win rate for down with the sliceness and uh, Miller High Slice that was closer to thirteen and twelve percent. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is underperforming only by a couple points. Right, it's really not a wild. I mean, these are all still pretty close. It's a, uh, again, this is where you run into like, well, it's a small sample size. Even if it's sixty games. That's not a lot. I mean, you know, right for a stat like that. Yeah. uh, Each of these slices only needed 10 wins to share an even percentage or whatever. So it's it's really easy for these numbers to get out of whack very quickly. Uh, On the flip side of yellow and blue, Wrigley Field, where the Cubs play, uh, our red slice 
was the only one that really properly overperformed. Yeah. Uh, and by overperformed, I just mean did better than the average. Yeah. And again, it was by what, like four or five points? Yes, 22%, 22% win nothing. rate. Uh, purple, uh, Mobile Slice Gundam was like dead on. It was 17%. And green and white were just barely about. Like, like uh, you could look at it and it's, they each had 11 wins, which is like one more than expected. Right. Right. If you expect every single slice to get 10 wins, we're talking about eight, seven, eight, 10, 11, and 13 wins across yeah. all of these slices. So overall, I want to just pat ourselves on the back a yeah, little bit and say not? that we made a very, uh, I think, successful preliminary map as far as what we wanted it to do yep. uh and i think it delivered outcomes that were uh reliable yeah and and again like the there were some underperformers but only by a few points uh and our overperformer was only by a few points yep. so like overall it fell into a an i think a very acceptable range as far as right. Uh, outcomes we definitely did not walk away from the prelims thinking like well we made a broken map yeah if we, if we had a mathematician like a statistician come in here I, I wouldn't be surprised if they told us well that's within the margin of error mm -hmm. <laughs> like what we hit is just within normal statistical in a, you know yeah error so so oh, so overall the prelims uh map which also the qualifiers were played on so right. i shouldn't call it just the prelims sure. map uh it uh is is uh it's a fair map it's a sweet map it's a nice map and that's what we wanted. We wanted it to be yep. friendly because um, we were going to have, you know, everybody in the tournament was going to play on this map at least right. once. Some, some people played twice, right. which I actually think was maybe the flaw in our logic. The fact that the yeah. qualifier winners yeah. they again. went on to play on the same map again is kind of funny. Right. Um, but hey, whatever. Uh, we, we always find something that we can improve on for next year. Maybe yep. that's something that we will. Right. Um, do you want to talk about factions now? Yeah, a little bit. We, we have the potential of an upcoming uh, tournament faction episode in the in the Patreon. So if you want to be a Galactic Council, you can vote for that. But we're, we're very specifically separating that possible topic, which is more about factions in tournaments at large, not right. just this year's tournament. So right now we're going to talk very specifically about the performance of factions this year. Yeah. Um, so it's this one's harder to sort of assess because there are some numbers in here that are, are wild because uh, when you get – with the slices, every single slice is being played every single game. Right. With the factions, some factions were in like four games, three right. games. Right. Some were in uh, – I don't think any faction was never played. Three games is the least – any faction was ever played, and that applies to Clan of Sar and the Nalu Collective. So those were either too big of a threat, so they were routinely banned, or not popular enough, so they were never chosen. Whereas then you have some factions that hit, like, up to almost 30 games. No Nomad was in 29 of the 60 games. Almost half the games featured Nomad. Nomad, best mad. Nomad uh, is best And apparently mad. that is a commonly held belief. Yeah. Well, and, and so within that, too, that's where you have to sort of look at the, the various outcomes of win rate because, like, you look at something like Mentak and everyone was talking about, wow, Mentak has a 50% win rate. Well, it won two out of four games. Right. We, we can't actually draw any conclusions out of that. I, I will feel safe in saying, hey, Mentak is not as absolute trash as people were saying like right at the release of pok mentech didn't get very interesting stuff and so a lot of people were like well their new stuff sucks so they're really bad and we can at least i think say mentech isn't completely just like horrible but yeah. we cannot say they're like great or or even especially good based on this stat. this is this is two out of four wins that's nothing yeah so i think that 
Yeah, it's like really hard to qualify that type of thing, right? Does that mean that Mentac is really good because they had a 50% win rate? Right. I think not. Right. Uh, I think it just means that we had some uh, very talented players right. that chose to play as Mentac, and then the, not only were they talented, they also got like good luck right. as well. Because sure. it's talent plus luck. That equals a winning game. Yeah. Here's an interesting stat that I'm seeing right now is uh, the Nalu Collective, whose win rate I will not reveal, um, was picked a number of times, but they were always last picked. Yeah. Like, they're always picked by the last person to pick factions. Yeah. If someone took Nalu, it was begrudgingly and because there were very few other choices left to them. Yeah, it's it's a perfect sixth pick faction. And no, no faction has a first pick. Titans is the closest. Titans was almost always picked first. First or second, basically. Not even Cabal was on that level of being pretty much almost always the first picked faction. Yeah, Yeah, I think that it's interesting. The reason I note that is that Mentech is a faction right now that that a lot of people are dogging on. Yeah. Um, I think the the strong performance in a couple of the games uh, sort of changed the way people feel about that maybe a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I actually want to say that it probably shouldn't. Yeah. Um, I think overall Mentech is probably still kind of on uh, the back foot, yeah. uh, even though I think it's hot and cool to say that they're awesome. Uh, and I, of course, I love Mentech, so whatever. Um, Nalu is just a faction that doesn't do well, I think, and nobody likes them either. Yeah. Like, it's just like, there are, there. you have, you know, we, we uh, as of late, have encountered the Arborex stands out there. Yeah. And I, in fact, am canonically an Arborex stand. Sure. Nobody ever gives me credit for it. Um, <laughs> But I don't think there are people out there pushing for Nalu. So if you are out there, just yeah. like sign off a little bit because I just feel like the stock in Nalu has fall has really bottomed out and it's kind of sad. I really want to be a Nalu stand, but there's just nothing interesting there. That's the problem for me with Nalu is the only reason you would stand for Nalu is because they're a weird underdog now. Like the only thing they have is that zero token. And is that like cool or is that just like, a yep, I have that. I don't yeah, know. I f- I feel like they I feel like a lot of the base game uh factions in POK got some sort of like new angle on their abilities yeah. and um Nalu's was a little bit of mix was just a mix of a couple slightly different yeah. things that don't really have a lot of cohesion. Right. Um but yeah, so I I don't know, but I I do think that uh Nalu is maybe a little undervalued as yeah. far as where they are actually at. Right. They were selected to play so few times right. uh, and every time it was last pick. I don't believe they're worth that level of hate. I think the zero still pretty good. Uh the zero can still totally slap. I mean, I I've lost games to Nalu yeah. in Ditto. POK. So Ditto. I don't really I don't know and I you know what? I'll say this. I actually haven't in like like let's let's get outside of the tournament just for a second. I have definitely lost games to Nalu players. Yeah, uh, I have not lost any games to. A, I've seen zero Mentac wins in my regular in casual life. game right. life. I I saw uh, Nalu wins on the semis map. There's one particular the red slice on the semis map is actually kind of a choice Nalu map if they get some other luck their way too. Like if they take warfare first or mm-hmm. something like that. Certain things going their way can can make that. It's, uh, it's got a blue skip and a direct path to Mechatol. And if you get all of that and some lucky timing, Nalu sits pretty all game, basically. Right. They just have rough expansion. Right. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the winners, though, of the tournament. Yeah. Um, I, what I want to point out is things like Nomad, L1Z1X, and Soul are what I'm sort of calling our benchmark. They did a little bit above expected value. 
but mm-hmm. not enough to be noteworthy. So basically, yeah, yeah. they hit they they had a they had a solid batting average that right. is just just good enough to be considered a pretty good faction. Right. They had a decent amount of wins, but were each of them picked enough times for that to so be noteworthy. So many times. Right. They they were they showed up in so many games and then their win rate was I I mean, I would say yeah, again, it's like it's like a couple points above. Right. Average. If we compare it to how excited we were for the red slice, I mean, like Nomad was twenty four percent win rate. L one was almost exactly the same as Wrigley Field, twenty two point six percent. Right. So like these things are falling right within that normal margin of success. Yeah. Uh, what overperformed a bit, uh, and some of these are like. I mean, we can look at Winu and say they overperformed, but they also had a pretty low number of games. Same with Sar. So they're in that Mentak category. Yeah, Sar, Mentak, and Winu all have pretty high win rates, but with very with without being chosen that many right. times. But the ones that were chosen enough to feel noteworthy, you have to look at Extra Kingdom, Empyrean, Argent Flight, and uh, kind of. I mean, Nomad is up on that upper. We just put Nomad in the in the like standard. Nomad is right in there between. Uh, sure overperforming but i definitely want to talk about extra empyrean and argent Argent flight Flight. yep yep so extra is the one i think everybody knows now Um, right if you were watching the tournament you know that they just it that freaking hero man it gets work done uh and in the prelims especially what you see the kind of play you see in the prelims is a lot of people with no experience with each other right as players and from wildly different play styles yeah. You, you see less of that in the semis and the finals, but the prelims are all over the place. And what that typically sows is enough chaos where people aren't doing the things they need to do against a faction like Extra, which is like Extra has to be shut down early. Right. If you want to, st- because they have such an innate point swing available to them, you know they're going to pull that off. So you have to make sure they're only at like four points, right? Yeah. Because their three point swing is going to put them up with everybody else. And that just wasn't happening. And so I think even um, throughout the tournament, like as a response to the prelims, I think we're seeing extra start to get a little bit of a declining win percentage because people are like, oh, no, seriously, you have to do something about it. this tournament definitely taught me how good the extra hero was. I right. downplayed it before this tournament right. and no longer. I get yeah. it. It is yeah. broken. Yeah, the extra hero is very, very good. And and it, I, I want to be fair to people um, that maybe were like, oh, I was in a game with an extra and it was, it was uh, you know, you're telling me that we got to harass and be mean to the extra. The problem is that extra is a hard faction yeah. to harass. Like definitely. That they are like definitely set up as a defensive, yep. sit in their slice, Definitely. Make it hard to mess with me type faction. It so it is a tall order. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, but you, you can't do it alone. Right. It has to be a table agreement to like, hey, we can't go wheeling and dealing with extra. We got to make sure they're not getting the better of any agendas right. on the front right. end. And we got to, you have to just like, yeah, I wouldn't say it's uh, go attack the extra. It's don't give the extra any economic breathing room. Yeah. Yeah. That's and my that's, take. And that's hard too. Yeah. I mean, it is. Like, they have four commodities. They're, they're, they, they've got stuff to offer. The, the type of, um, you know, I think we should eventually do an episode about the idea of uh, an embargo play yeah. where you basically say this person's on embargo because it never works when, because there are five people right. that have to maintain that embargo. embargo. And it essentially, can't happen. It's Someone's going to break. Someone's going to fall behind. Well, and some, need... Somebody's going to see that like, oh, my game is you know in the crapper yeah. right now. Yeah. And what what can I do? Well, maybe I'll trade it's with exactly the, with the, the reason person. we see support swaps. It's yeah. the exact same like mentality of like i have right. to do it with somebody i have to trade with someone yeah. how so do we i'm hold, going to them how do we hold uh, but so then let's talk more 
more than about Empyrean and Argent Flight, because there are only other two, like, high performers that don't just have some completely broken mechanic in them. Extra is, like, insane. Empyrean has some broken stuff. I mean, Empyrean mechs are wild, and then Empyrean also just has, like, this deal-making potential that's through the roof. Um, but I think Empyrean even overperforms my expectations of them, and I thought they were pretty decent before For sure. Tournament. No, no. They for sure overperformed expectations. Um, I think that as we went on, we learned that uh, it was kind of a friendly map uh, for Empyrean yep. in a lot of ways that were not immediately obvious. Yes. The only one that was obvious about it was the fact that um, in the prelims map, if you have it pulled up, um, the uh, what is the Empyrean faction tech called? Aether Stream. Yep. Aether Stream allows you to uh, basically use it on every single hex on that map. Um, except for the anomalies themselves, because it doesn't work like that. Right. Um, and uh, Mechtal Rex. But beyond that, it's uh, it's very useful. Yeah. The, um, yeah. The, everything's so perfectly spread out on this map that like every single hex everywhere can be Aether streamed. Yeah. Essentially. And also, Empyrean, I think, kind of um, benefited a lot from kind of being under the radar. Yeah. Um, they are kind of a, a, a Hakan type faction. So people were not worried about them right out of the gate right uh and i think because of that people were willing to play kind of a softer game with them yeah uh then maybe they should have um and then also uh if you look at the slices that they did well it was kind of all over the place right empyrean is the one that i think is noteworthy in that they kind of survived everywhere they right. did especially well in uh like mobile slice gundam purple slice that was a that was a pretty good one for them but they really had wins everywhere compared to our other top winner argent where argent was like miller high slice las vegas that's it like those are right. great slices so if those basically when those factions end up in those two slices they are going to do well when argent is in one of those two slices it it they knock it out of the park yeah i i just want to say that i think that overall though um Empyrean kind of just had like a house benefit from the way uh, most of the slices were distributed, I think yeah. were really friendly yeah. uh, for them. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I also found it like that on the prelims map, it was really easy for Empyrean to gobble up uh, the DET, the mm -hmm. frontier tokens mm -hmm. um, because of a lot of evenly spaced empty space. Yep. That's something we've been talking because we're building the finals map right now. And that's something that we're talking about is like, it's like a new thing for us to figure out um, with these maps that we build is like, well, how evenly spaced yep. are your empty Should space things? things? Yeah, Empyrean really changes the game of like, oh, I want everything to be spread out. Well, that just makes Empyrean awesome. So sometimes you're like, actually, I really want to throw off the balance of yeah. slices so that like, oh, Empyrean can have like a little nest over right. here in the corner, right. but they're not going to be able to just do everything all over the map all the time. Yeah, and I think the evenness uh, of this map is the reason that you saw Empyrean do well all over the place. On uh, top of them being a good faction. On top they wouldn't of have gotten there without faction. being a good faction, but the map especially rewarded them, basically. And yeah. same with Argent Flight, honestly. I mean, in the in the slices they did well in, those are killer. Are, you, would, you would die to have one of those slices in a home game. I think one of the things, and, and I sort of want to save this point uh, for the possible Galactic Council yeah. um, episode, but to kind of tease that a little bit, I think one of the things that make a faction really great uh, in a tournament where you're going to play a lot of games on it yep. are, or is, um, how well does that faction uh, prevent wind slaying? Yep. Oh, man. And Empyrean, Empyrean and Argent have that all over themselves. Yes. 
Imperium, that's the big thing I learned about Imperium this tournament is, first off, that flagship, I did not think it was that good. And it is, cr I never, I never it's the saw flagship. the Dynamo lose. It's and the, then the mechs, obviously. The, it's the flagship. There's this synergy that happens. And we've talked about it in the Imperium episode. Uh, I love it. Because it's all these things, besides the mech thing seems really good on mm -hmm. its own, right? Like anybody would it's look at good. that and be like, the mech, you get to kill it in order to to sabotage something. They've got sabotage on tap. Right. Amazing. And amazing. you can sabotage a sabotage. Right. The commander does not seem amazing right. on its face. And then once you get into that, oh, I'm Empyrean, I have my, I figured out my path to 10, now I just need to make sure I can't be Windslayed, parking the flagship in your home system and then just saying, all right, every time you even try, yep. my commander activates, I lift the token, and, I get to and I'm going to get to build even more stuff. Right, yeah, if you don't take it, I'll build more. If you do take it, if I plan to have a fleet nearby i can try to retake exactly it. i can get back in there the it is seriously as defensive maybe a little bit less i know I'm, I'm going i'm stretching a bit too far but like empyrean endgame in their home system i saw that dealt with as often as as i see necros home system dealt right. with when the right. flagship is there you park a flagship of either of those factions in their home system that's it that's right. the game right yeah, I uh, I totally agree that it's in like the same wheelhouse of that. And then Argent Flight, it's a similar thing yeah. with uh, Ari Hollow. Yeah, yeah, you can't you even get can't. to the home system. Yeah, that is that is I think the the key to both of their like high win rates yeah. is just that. Oh, did you figure out how to get to ten? Okay, well now you've locked it up and made it difficult. Yeah. Um, whenever we get even to our to our semifinal spoiler discussion, maybe we'll return to some of that talk. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's talk about underperformers a little bit. Yeah, sure. The big one is muat uh, right. muat had an incredibly tough time in this uh prelims and qualifiers on this map right i, I can't even tell you i i don't know yet what contributed to that beyond the main thing you see people talk about is that hero is always used for the table and it feels like muat doesn't actually get anything out of the exchange nothing propels muat across the finish line well and okay so that's Here's here's what bothers me about that yeah. conclusion is that there are lots of heroes that work that way with totally. factions that still do well. Right. L1's hero is a Winslay right. hero. Yep. But it's not like because their hero is so set up for Winslay that means that L1 sucks right. without that. You know, like it's it's not a cornerstone of their whole thing and Muat got so much good stuff. So such a killer economy right. for, for Muat. It's very good, but you just something about them. Maybe it's the start is just too slow, so then they're not onboarded fast enough. You see that with something like Arborek as well, where the reason we talk about like Arborek and and Nalu and uh, Muat are not very good factions is if you just look at round one alone, if factions are scoring round one. Usually, Arborek, Muat, Nalu don't pull off scoring round one. Yeah. Generally speaking, you don't see it. Right. They don't have big money makers in the early game, and they don't take a lot of systems in the early game. So they don't, you know, they don't do that, like, take six planets, and I'll have six planets outside of my home. So, like, it's really hard for these factions to do that. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's like, a, it's like really tough for me to figure out what yeah. it could possibly be, because in my opinion, uh, Muat was one of the the main base game factions that struggled that were fixed, and I'm yeah. using air quotes because sure. obviously maybe the work is not done, yeah. that were fixed by POK. And also, in statistic 
statistical breakdowns I've seen outside of our tournament, yeah. it does not seem like Muat is in the dumpster. Right. There's but something about our map. It doesn't look yeah, good. Something about this map was just not good for Muat. And, and maybe you're asking like, oh, why are we specifically calling out Muat? Muat was picked many, a many lot. times. And yeah. their win rate is, I'm not going to reveal it, but right. it's pretty low. We, we can compare it to, to Hakan, which Hakan also didn't do very well in the prelims map. Yeah. Uh, but just not picked anywhere close to his offense. So it's a little bit harder to draw conclusions because they, they you just didn't see them as much. But there's right. definitely something to be said about Hakan not doing very right. well on this Cabal map. didn't do well either, but no. was picked even less than yeah. Hakan. Right. So like, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I'm not sure what to think about it, especially in regards to Muat. Uh, Matt, I know this makes you curious to like, you, you've been talking about wanting to- I want to play some Muat you, yeah, for a bit. Yeah, you're wanting to spend some time with the faction. I can't wait. I will say this. I'm very, we're in the middle of the tournament. I'm very excited. Loving it. This is such a great uh, project part of the year that I love uh, being a part of. At the same time, I am starting to get that like, mm, kind of excited about just like playing the Getting game yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's um, it's always fun to shake up the meta between tournament seasons so that next year we have a different take on how to approach all of this. Yeah. Can, um, we, can we talk about something personal to me here? Yeah, please. So, of course, I've got a lot of money in yeah. Sardak Nor stock. Yeah. And boy, let me tell you, I can I one thing that I think I have succeeded at uh in my life um is building up hype for Gama Mama. Yep. Um, and I'm not saying I'm the only one. No. I'm just saying like it's you know we share in this success us and our mama, <laughs> who is Gama. Yeah. Um, so Sardak Nor picked a lot, not a particularly not high win rate. Yeah, but they were picked a lot. Right. Like I, you, Bar- Barony's right there with them too. Honestly, yeah, totally, Bar- totally. Barony is one people were trashing on before the tournament too, saying like POK Barony not very good, and I didn't agree with that take. But I, the numbers are sort of holding out that that's a li- at least a little bit true, that, that Barony struggles. Barony struggles to yeah. find it. Now, let's also talk about one other factor in all sure, of this. Sure, Which is uh, some of the rules changed after the prelims. Some factions oh, yeah. had rulings go in a different direction. Wh- what's really messed up about that is Argent and L1 are both really good factions, yeah, and their the rulings uh, benefited them. Yeah, so, so Argent and L one are better than they perform. <laughs> right, in this, right. In this prelims and qualifiers. Yeah, so Argent and L one definitely did well uh, in statistically um, in the in the prelims, and yeah, their heroes have only gotten better. So that is it's interesting to see how that goes yeah. uh, going forward. Um, yeah, I mean it'll be. I I think I think towards the end of this year is when, when whenever we do our first uh, tier list yeah. is I think when the dust will kind of start to settle yeah. as far as who were the winners and losers of, yeah. of prophecy of Kings. It took yeah, a whole man. year next. Yeah. Next year's tier list is going to be so, so different <laughs> than this year's. I'm you already, think so? Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. So why? I mean, it'll have a completely stupid structure that doesn't make any sense compared to last year's too. So that's a whole thing. Right. But like also, there are so many things I think so differently about Titans of old is the bit. I mean, like Titans of old seemed like they were this unstoppable behemoth and no, they're stoppable. They're very totally stoppable. I, th- I'm still a believer. I still think they're, they're fine and good, but they have this awkward, they just have this terrible little thing where they, they kind of play by themselves for a while and it leaves them out of the meta and it leaves them out of contention for like <laughs> some economic i don't know for a lot of things but they just they just sort of sit in the corner and do their thing i think things. here here i'm gonna i'm gonna do a favor for all of the titans fans out uh-huh. there 
and I'm gonna we're gonna recommend you games to play, but I want um I want to go ahead and throw this one out at you mm-hmm. because I think that um uh, a player whose name I don't want to reveal because I don't want to give it all away. Yeah. Um, but it was game number thirty five. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a path forward for Titans, and it involves this. It style. involves this style of play, yeah. and I th- I really think game thirty five is a really good showcase of a way to play Titans that is maybe not super obvious, but it gets around their one of their biggest problems. Right. Yeah. Which is command counter economy, totally. basically. Well, I will watch that one. I did yeah. not. I have not seen it, so it I is. Go back. It, it's really good for that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about you. Are we ready to? We've we've yeah. sat in the stats for a little totally. while. Let's get. Let's just talk about streaming. Let's talk about us. Uh, so we, boy, that this was a hurdle. Uh, it was a. <laughs> We we and we complained about it like over and over and over again, and I don't mean it as like a, I don't ever want to like it's it's work we like to do, but but twelve twelve plus weeks of streaming every single weekend. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that. It, it is both of our full time jobs now, so like can't complain too much. But it's a weekend job. That's what annoys that's me about it. Sometimes <laughs> it really takes away <laughs> some of, some other stuff we could. Yeah, be you doing. know how like the whole world is set up where there's a weekend <laughs> and we just have to opt out of that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, it was. Uh, I mean, thank goodness for Luke and Flat. Luke and Flat. Yeah. Flat Tomatoes, Duke Lukem. Uh, I cannot thank you all enough. Uh, and they they handled one game every single weekend uh, for all of that, Insane. and then I did one game every single weekend, and Hunter did one game every single weekend. So we yeah. had a team where we were able to split everything up. We also have to shout out uh, all of the people who we okay. We were not expecting the qualifiers to get featured very well. We were like, right. we we just don't have time. We have to just let these qualifiers happen. And a bunch of community members said, no, we agree with the vision of the twenty one tournament, which is all games should be accessible to watch. And Stads, Miles, Binks, More Tension, Dragon Jade, Quantum Octopus. If there's somebody else I'm forgetting, please tell me so that we can put it in errata. Right. But that was kind of the qualifier stream team of they just all volunteered time. Right. Games were coming out of nowhere and they would just be like, yep, I'll raise my hand. I can do that one. Sometimes at crazy hours. Like Miles, there were a couple weekends I remember where Miles did like back-to-back games at like the wild. Like yeah, he Miles was for like six a, hours. Yeah, he was like a workhorse yeah. basically. So huge shout out to them. Every game is available, I think, except for like one qualifier was lost to time. That's it. I mean, that's a that's crazy. That's insane. My games are easy to lose let me tell you that much it's an eight hour game uh that's a file that's very easy for like it to break in yeah. your computer that yeah. happened to us many times in the past and uh for only one game out of 66 to go missing is uh i call that's a good that's a good average <laughs> and it's fun looking out at all the commentary now and seeing like kind of all the different styles that have sprouted up uh basically like just at it's it's really fun. It feels yeah. like there's a whole uh commu- I I know there was a community of streamers out there already. Yeah. I'm not I'm and we're not trying to take credit for I, We didn't shout out EJ or Root yet. We should. Uh, oh, they, right. they were yeah. always with us. They weren't like yes. going and streaming themselves, but we should obviously. I mean, they're kind of a part of our official SCPT team. Totally. Totally. Um, thanks to Daryl for for all of the tools and the ability to get uh he, he and Root uh were sort of and and uh Milty were critical in getting our stats breakdowns like the what the overlay that you see was made by root with also some of the output stuff that uh like milty and daryl have been putting together over like the past year plus so the the only reason ti is a streamable experience where you can take in all of the information is because of those people if you go back and watch the first year's tournament it is such a different viewing experience you just you're completely in the dark you have no way to know anything that's going on right right 
and now and now it feels uh, like it's getting closer to a well-oiled machine. I'm yep. already excited about uh, next year. Yep. Uh, there are already we have plans for how to improve uh, it even more. Um, so uh, we're almost done with spoilers. We're almost going to get into spoily territory. Yep. Um, for those of you that have not watched the prelims uh, in its entirety or in a lot of it, yeah. I guess. Um, we just wanted to recommend kind of a list of games yep. and like kind of why they're right. worth watching and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Again, totally worth watching every single game, but we 100% have to recognize that not everybody's going to do that. In fact, most people are not going yeah, to do that. Yeah, it's 36 games of content. Yeah. Um, let's start with, uh, so th- these are just ones we recommend uh, that you check out uh, and then also kind of why. So the yeah. first one we want to recommend actually is game number one. Yeah. Yeah. The first um, one, uh, you know, we have, that's us working out our own things, uh, our, our own, like, okay, we're dipping in for this first year's tournament. Like, how right. are we going to do all this? But it ended up being also an amazing example of a game uh, where like how to hang in there. Uh, this one featured John uh, yeah. last year's finalist, right? John, and uh, you should watch that one for the wild ride John goes on. And so, like, John proving how spectacular of a player uh, that he is. But he still, like, has struggles. In front. Like, there's no running away with the game. It, it is a wild ride. And if anything, it would be interesting for people to go back and watch these games, like, with a, with a task. And I would say, watch that game and focus your energy on John. And, and to, to understand their story uh, yeah. through that game. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's a very good lesson in... Um, how to, when you're in the late game, uh, actually get another round. Yep. And I know some people might not understand what I mean by that. What I mean by that is like, okay, we're all tied up. Um, everybody, there are lots of paths out there, yep. but this needs to no- go another round. Right. How do I ensure this goes another round? Right. And John throws like throws down some really good lessons uh, as yeah. to like how to ensure that there is a that and it, a lot of it has as- to do with destroying your own game and yeah. saying like hey exactly there's an aspect of this game where it becomes a cooperative game mm-hmm. even from someone who could have won that round and goes if i am going to win this round it's just going to get stopped totally so i have to work with the table sacrifice myself and hope i can pick it up next round right that it is fascinating to watch right Uh, another one that's in a similar vein is game number six uh so just another great example of how to hang in there like how to work with the table to keep the game alive and keep the dream alive yeah so this game features um rando uh who is a player that we've talked about a couple times yeah um playing as uh necro uh, which actually weren't a lot. Necro did not make it in uh, that Very many times. Many games, so it's yeah. notable if you're another underdog, not underdog performing, but just like underdog. Like, hey, if you want to see the factions that don't get seen very much in this tournament, this is a game. For yeah, you. and and Necro clearly doesn't get seen a lot in the tournament they, this year because they're too good. Yeah. Um, but Rando uh, gets to play as Necro, and it is a very exciting. Uh, it's it's fun to watch him in this game because uh, he kind of takes a, I would say, kind of a commanding like lock it up type lead. Yeah. And then things really blow up. Yeah, I would say. Um, and that there's a lot you can learn about um, how to like be aggressive in a very calculated way, which is something that Necro is very good at, and also yeah. Rando is very good at. Right. Um, and then also like how to hang in there after the game has kind of blown up in your face. Like, right. what do you do after the players have kind of all Crushed turned you. on you? Right. 
Um, and how do you hang in there after that moment? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is very interesting. Very uh, good an- game. Another great one is game number nine. We just recently did an episode about uh, wind making. Uh, we were kind of continuing a series of episodes about wind making. Uh, but this is the example game. When people talk about wind making, they talk about what happens in this game. Yeah. I, I don't want to even spoil much more sure, than that. But it's sure. like, go watch this game because the end game is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and and you will you will be forced to decide how you feel about wind making like yeah. it forces you to make some sort of call on the ethics of wind making yeah really interesting players too in that one with like that kind of creates some really interesting situations i want to call out um especially eliza bird mm-hmm. and adira for both uh playing well being interesting and creating a pretty uh wild situation yeah. uh through just like like style and so it's i i would say it's very fun if you like uh, those types of games and actually even if you even if you dislike that type of game i think it's worth it's worth seeing it because yeah. it is a proper it's not just like I, i'll spoil this much of it it's not just like i want them to it's not that kind of win making it yeah. is it is you have two paths and you must choose one and some f- and multiple players have two paths right and they must choose one and right. they are all like everyone at this table is met with the decision of how to handle this end game totally and 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 you kind of get to see the the some different philosophies at play as far as uh you know what what to do in the late game as yeah. far as win making goes, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Next up is game number twelve. <laughs> this is the one. Uh, some of the best clips <laughs> are in this game. Like yeah, the you've best, probably seen clips. You've from probably it. seen clips of the commentary of EJ uh, and Hunter sort of lose their minds. Uh, this one is we talk about the dice don't lie. Uh, I won't spoil too much, but like this, this game has just like some crazy dice rolls. Some it's crazy. It's a crazy game of chance, and it's worth seeing. It's worth witnessing. It's it's got a lot of great characters too. Yeah. Um, there is some uh, subterfuge in it. Yeah. Of uh, Mantis is in this one, right? Mantis. Mantis is, in is this like one? my one of my favorite players to watch. Period. Just watch it because Mantis is great. But yeah. also, uh, Planet Earth is in this game, and Planet Earth has become a sort of uh, f- famous figure. <laughs> In the community now, and it's because of this game. Yeah, yeah. Should, uh, I will say this much: watch it. it's not just this game. I've played. I played a game with Planet Earth just the other day, and I've seen her in other games. Uh, yeah, she she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Um, so yeah, definitely watch uh, Game Twelve. Game Twelve is uh, hilarious. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I'll say this about Game Twelve. I don't know if we'll ever get the some of the crazy stuff that happens yeah. in Game Twelve <laughs> is so statistically strange that it might not ever happen again. So you should check it out. Yeah. For that reason. Uh, so then next up, we've got game 19. Uh, and this one I want to feature because uh, just just for this year, if you want a, a historical look at this year's tournament, we this is the year we introduced a tiebreaker. And we didn't see games go properly to the tiebreaker very much this year. The way the tiebreaker worked is we had to have a time limit on these prelims or else we were going to die. Uh, and so the game ended after the round that ended within eight hours it's a little complicated yeah. it's a yeah. soft time limit but then after that if no one was at 10 points which most of the time even if you had a final round someone made it to 10 but we had a very a small handful of games that then had to go to this goofy tiebreaker where you reveal a single stage one at a time and people who can qual the tiebreakers t- the people tied for the win if they can qualify for that stage one that you revealed they they stay in it and then it's the last person left standing as you reveal stage one public objectives now some of those tiebreakers are pretty crazy uh if anything i would say if you want to watch a little bit more uh 
If you want to watch a heartbreaking tiebreaker. If you want to watch windmaky heartbreaking tiebreakers, game, game five, five and game 32 are the slightly more controversial ones. They're still fun. I'm going to call out game five more than game 32. For sure. But game 19 is the one where you saw players see that the tiebreaker was coming know that there's no way out of it and start planning for the tiebreaker. Yeah. And it's a very interesting analysis and look at like how to deal with this thing that only existed in this tournament, right? Yeah. The, the tiebreaker is not a rule of Twilight Imperium. I, I think it could be for some, I think there's home groups that might start using it just because it's useful to like keep your game in check. And totally. if, if you're a group that doesn't specifically care about like exactly how the winner wins and it's like i just need this game to actually end in a proper amount of time tiebreaker games were generally around nine and a half hours long the game would the round would finish like close to the eight hour mark or, or uh, you know you just barely cross the threshold of eight hours and then you'd have like a last round go a little long oh yeah and actually i want to take back what i said about game 32 because i just remembered that's the one that we, that they call the clown fiesta <laughs> no, is that it or is that qualify the, the same there was a clown fiesta there's a clown at some fiesta point. okay and both of them there are two protein ninja games that end in tiebreakers <laughs> is yes. the point and they're, yes. they're they're a while the tiebreaker did disgusting things to it and i i do not i won't defend it as an amazing mechanic but it was a necessity that well, we had to have okay so so i would yeah i i like what you've written for game number 19 as the reason we're recommending it is it show it's it's how to tiebreak how to play mm-hmm. for the tiebreaker and I think it's definitely something that could be useful to people who compete next year in the right. tournament. If you want to understand, because I don't think the tiebreaker is going away. I'm sorry, no, we, I don't think it'll it. go away. Yep, we, we do don't. Need. We we don't love it, but we wholeheartedly. It. Yeah. But it has to exist. I hate the alternative a lot worse. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> that's how it works. Um, okay, next one we want to talk about. <laughs> is game number 24 yeah uh, so game number 24 uh i'm not necessarily going to recommend the entire game sure. okay although it does feature uh, a lot of really great play in fact the i will say this um i feel like a lot of people kind of missed this game that pay attention because the winner of this game went on to the semifinals and then no one thought no one that thought they would person win. would win yeah. their semifinal game which made no sense to me because the winner of game 24 is one of the most lock it up <laughs> go home Deci- yeah right. wins right. decisive victory okay but from- on top of that was this layer <laughs> so of the other players and i want to say i'm going to say this for you hunter stupidity <laughs> <laughs> and the players the players know this now and they were joking about it but like the stupidest thing ever happens in this game and it is also the, like the other best clip of the tournament yeah. basically hey ej you were the best part of the tournament this ej year. is always you the have best the part two of the you have the yeah. two best clips of the tournament yeah. and this is the best clip of the entire tournament well so and, and that's why i have to say for game 24 i really have to recommend the final round you can watch the whole game if you just want to see the game and and all the other it's not like the other players played poorly no um, it's all in this final the plan so a in, plan. in the final round there is uh, a win slay plan that is developed and the way it unfolds is just hilarious and i gotta shout out dragon jade specifically <laughs> for their contributions to um the plan yeah uh so please yeah watch watch game number 24 at the very least watch like the last two rounds or even just the last round yeah it's worth it's worth that much uh next up is the next game game 25 uh which this one is just our example of like 
uh if you want to see what extra did to this tournament like this is an extra game you have to you have to see it you have to understand how extra works that's probably even a bit of a spoiler <laughs> in its own right but i don't i don't care like watch watch how extra works in yeah, game 25 and it, it's not it's not the only game that that nope. features extra prominently but it is probably the most i mean it's like you're watching someone play extra yeah. on a very high level yes and they're doing all these things right and then also the silly casino aspect yeah. of extra is also like their luck is just completely. I insane. do not think there is a more locked up game than this one. That's like I don't right. think any game was one well, harder. Well, and it's it's because both things are firing off. Like exactly, the, the all game of the is luck skill and all and of luck. the. Yeah, exactly. So we're receiving a hundred percent of the luck and a hundred percent of the skill. So it's just like, well, that was there was no other possible yep. outcome. Yep. Uh, the last sh- shout-outs are games 8, 15, 31, and 36. These are just fun ones because they feature underdog factions. Uh, if, you, if, if you're tired of the monotony of, like, the really good factions being in games, 8, 15, 31, 36, all good uh, games with that lightly feature, featured factions. That, yeah, that feature the your underdog factions. I'm sure there are actually some games we've missed that have prominently yeah, featured underdog totally. factions. Um, but... Those are just the ones off the top of our heads. And also, it's not a spoiler. We're not saying that underdog factions win in all of those games. They are just prominently featured. Also, uh, extra special mention to game 36 because uh, I'll even tell you the underdog faction on that one is Arborek. And it is completely non-standard Arborek. You have never seen Arborek played the way it is played in game number 36. So please go check that one out. So that kind of wraps up our non-spoil even though a little bit of that was a bit spoilerly whatever it you know i there's plenty of games to watch here but uh let's take a quick little break and then we will get into spoilers especially of we're going to talk a lot about the semis here okay hunter let's get into it uh we're going to talk semis we're going to we're going to talk spoilers uh S- some things to uh to, to note here are we're gonna we're, we're not gonna talk about like every single thing that happened in each semis game but we, w- we want to give a picture for those who maybe don't have time to watch it you're watching this just before the finals we want people to understand how the finalists found their victory yeah uh, next week's we're episode, also gonna we're gonna reveal the finalists yes. so we're gonna reveal the winner of each game exactly. so if you do not want that spoiled please do not listen skip, to this part skip right now. the rest of this episode this yeah. is all we're doing for the rest of the yeah. episode is this stuff but i will say at the top here uh I, next week's episode is an episode where we interview the finalists uh so that's going to c- kind of continue to be spoilers but i mean that's it's in the week up leading up to the finals like i i the finals will spoil the semis for you hard, right just so you know yes. <laughs> that's how <laughs> uh, it works but uh this is sort of our roadmap of what happened in these players games and next week we're going to really figure out what makes these players tick and that's yep. kind of how these two episodes work together so let's yep. talk about game one of the semis featured Talagos, Jasper, Zippelin, Patience is a Virtue, Eleven Spoons, and Dr. Tristan. Yeah. Uh, this was a big Euro game. This one was at 2 a.m. my time, so I was, like, right. in wildly sleepy. We kicked off the semis in, like, the weirdest way possible. But this is also a group with the most experience with each other. These are A lot of these players are people that have played with each other many, many times before. Yeah. Very well-known players, I feel like, to the community, um, especially uh, Jasper Patience, Zippelin, yep. 
uh, and 11 spoons. I want to call them out specifically right. as like players that I feel like are just like, are just known quantities right. um, and all kind of, I would say. And be, because respected. of that is why we saw Talagos, who goes on to win this game. Yeah. Talagos, nobody predicted Talagos would win. This is the one you were just talking about in the prelims. Right. Uh, they, they had a, a runaway game in the prelims. Yeah. And it's surprising that then nobody predicted them to win this game, but that's because everybody else in this game was like a behemoth of a personality or a known figure in the community. So it's just like there wasn't much air left in the room once you got through talking through these other four players. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, especially towards the end, uh, basically, uh, Jasper, Zippelin, uh, Patience, and Talagos all were kind of jockeying for yeah. those 10 points. And I remember at one point, uh, we were talking about Jasper kind of having it locked up. Yes. But then it got kind of interesting in the final round. Matt, do you want to elaborate on yeah. that? Yeah. So basically, this is the one you're going you're gonna to see on the YouTube called A Counterstroke of Genius. And it's maybe not genius because what ends up happening is Zippelin gets kind of their whole uh, game mostly taken away from them. They, they maybe have like a slim chance. And we get into this thing that happens in like round fours, round fives, where people are just stalling and everyone's just trying to wait out the table yeah, to, yeah. before they make their big move. And in just randomly stalling, Zippelin activates Patience as a Virtue's home system. Now, before this, Patience and Zippelin already had this like disgusting dynamic between each other where it was like we are both shutting each other down neither of us are really going to win because the other one's going to keep getting in in the other's face it reminds me of um the defterous and jay bird yeah that game also they just shut each other down this one was patience and zippelin were at each other's throats uh mechanic you know on the board and patience had kind of already lost his shot i i in the commentary i'm just like that's it patience is dead in the water no no more chance and then zippelin activates his home system patience plays the action card counterstroke doesn't miss a beat either that's the thing about yeah. patience is, is he's one of those players been waiting that has it. the whole game in his head yeah and he doesn't get that type of like fatigue thing that happens with people where they're kind of just like and it's completely understandable yeah, it happens but they're to me. just like that's, at I, hour eight i can't and they're like anymore. i can't put stuff together anymore in my right. brain for this patience can and he plays counterstroke which unlocks his home system which is where like his flagship and all of his stuff is and all of it is able to go back to zippelin's home system but it unleashes a chain of events where every zippelin's home system changes hands by almost every single player in the game like four or five different people touch zippelin's home system in that final round it is a three and a half hour long final round primarily because of this counterstroke. right one thing it like the, the game like hunter was just saying was kind of just locked up like it looked like i think jasper was just gonna win oh well and then this happened and suddenly everyone had a win potential right and it just started going crazy and it was impossible to know who was gonna it all was gonna come down to dice rolls like you know we, we could kind of see the statistics of who might win each roll but if any fight went the wrong way it was like well that's it they have it locked up now and you right. never knew who was gonna win until all of this chaos just kept happening we had to just stop predicting anything it's just like i don't know who else is gonna attack who anymore right like it is explosive uh until finally Talagos is basically just the last man left standing. I mean, it's it's literally. Well, Tal I, I believe the way it worked out was Talagos took Jasper's home system, yes, right? So right. it was kind of like everyone else had stopped each other, and Talagos 
was still in it right. and successfully stopped Jasper, which made Telagos win. Is that correct? That's basically correct. It was also Conquer the Week was out. So in stopping Nomad, they set up their own win. Exactly. That was the other, that's the beauty of Conquer the Week, honestly, is, is when that objective, when people are able to do that objective and it comes out, it's a two-pointer where in doing it, you stop, you the stop other someone else as well as net yourself two points. So it's always going, but this is like the best Conquer the Week ending I've ever seen in any yeah. game. Yeah, so it's great. Uh, definitely recommend, uh, even though you just had it all spoiled for you, definitely recommend you watch it anyways. Yep. Uh, it's up on YouTube. All these games are either already up on YouTube or they will be very soon. Yes. Um, let's talk about game two. Yeah, game two featured Connors, Frank G, Garindon, MJ Ultra, Kool-Aid, and Kraken. Uh, yeah. Kraken was the big name in this one. We've seen Kraken in every tournament so yeah. far. And Kraken not only is in every tournament, but Kraken always makes a name for himself. Right. Kraken loves the meta game. Uh, the big mistake of this table was letting Kraken get Hakan, which Kraken is like a known Hakan player. Right. And like you shouldn't let him talk that much. Uh, so Kraken getting control of Hakan let him do this thing he'd been planning for months. Like right. since the beginning of the prelims, Kraken had been working on this plan and it was to open up a casino. Casino meta. Um, I wish I could explain to you exactly how the <laughs> casino worked, but it kind of made my brain boil over yes, right. every time. But it 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 was, there were games of chance. Uh, it all made sense. The games were very well designed and a lot of players played into it. Before we get further into it, though, I just want to call out that this was a the last game. Uh, we talked about how it felt very stacked. This game uh, was a lot of new faces that I was excited about. Yeah. I was excited about Connor's win uh, from the prelims. Yep. I was excited about Frank G's win from the prelims as well. Frank G had a very, like... Uh, again, like a very like kind of locked up, yeah. like, yep, I'm just going to win this game. MJ Ultra had come up from the qualifiers MJ, with M two pretty good wins. Yeah. Also, MJ Ultra, I'm, I'm in the middle of a giant stat collection uh, project where I am collecting stats on everyone that has ever played in the tournament um, and, and won a game. Yeah. Uh, MJ Ultra, very good stats. Uh, people are yeah. sleeping on MJ Ultra, yeah, MJ I think, even still. Uh, Kool-Aid won <laughs> a wackadoodle tiebreaker, and you'll see... We how can, funny that say, is kool-aid is a, is a, an amazing personality and kool-aid steps into this game and sees kraken trying his weird stuff and yeah. kool-aid goes i can play that Which, I, can, I can work in your meta kraken sets people off their rhythm yeah not kool-aid right. but kool-aid's whole thing is like i can play in wacky metas sure and and kool-aid's prelims game was a tiebreaker that they had no business winning <laughs> That's they the reality of it. Do it. They yeah. just got to That's win. That's a it. fact. It's it, not. We're not trying to hurt anybody's no. feelings. Kool Aid deserves Kool -Aid to had, be in the finals, right? But their prelims well, win. Well, now they do. They, but... they do now. <laughs> but their prelims. We were sleeping on Kool Aid on this game. Sure, that's fair. And in fact, actually, I remember people reaching out to me after Kool Aid won uh, their tiebreaker because I was a little bit like, uh, "Well, yeah. that's weird." Yeah. Um. But then people were saying like, "No, Kool Aid is actually good, and we're like, we've like, seen Kool Aid play. Yeah. Kool Aid is good. Yeah, pe yeah. Pe people like Kool Aid, so whatever, it's fine." Um, Connors also, I gotta, I gotta say, Connors picked Arborek. So if you want to watch uh, yes. some Arborek in the semifinals, you should check this game out. I will say, didn't really pan out that well. Yeah. Uh, Arborek, it's just slow. It's I don't know. I don't know how to say it to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it could have. I mean, I will say, I think there's a world where it could have gone the right direction and worked out. 
Yeah. But I do not think that the objectives, which were all they very spendy, which kind of fed yeah. into the whole casino thing. Yeah, Arborek needs like like control objectives that they build up towards. <laughs> they need and like lock control in. objectives that are nearby. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a lot of things. You need, that the, need, you to need the you need the game to reward you. Um, but so back to the casino. Kraken opens up this casino. MJ Ultra and Kool Aid are all in. This sounds great. Connors and Garindin kind of. I wouldn't say are super participatory in, in that they see that and, it's happening. And Frank G hates it. And Frank G hates it. Frank yeah. G well, is it, giving I, it not maybe even I should a, maybe a we shouldn't say notice. it's just that Frank G doesn't play into it. No, and he, he refuses. And and to maybe Frank G's uh, demise because what the way the casino is supposed to work, right, is casino odds. It's supposed to benefit the house. Kraken sets up this little tantalizing thing of hey, you could make some money, but hopefully I get more money. That doesn't work out because basically Kool-Aid and MJ Ultra break the casino and start making hand over fist. Yeah. They get so much money. It's insane. Off of the casino alone. Yeah. Uh, just Kraken just is funneling money to them to the point where in the first like round or two, Kraken's like, anybody want to play the casino? Come on down. Come on down. And by the end of round two, Kraken's like completely shut up. Yeah. We, we, need, we need to stop. Doing <laughs> Nobody. It. If you want to play it, sure. But I'm not offering it up anymore. Really? I'm losing what, too much money. What MJ Ultra and Kool-Aid do that I think Kraken should have figured out a way to prevent this. Although I'm not really sure how he could have because it's all nebulous transaction mm-hmm. rules that he's playing off of. There's not a lot in the game to support this existing. Yeah. It's definitely not against the rules, but it's just kind of like. Uh, well, you're you're in uncharted territory here. But what happens is that MJ Ultra and Kool-Aid keep going in together. Right. It's not supposed to be a teamwork <laughs> casino. It'd be like if... I mean, it's literally... This is why casinos like don't let two people sit at a blackjack table and like work together. Or like poker, especially. Yeah. If two people were working together at a poker right, table, you right. would be kicked out like so fast. So yeah, they, br- they break Kraken's casino. Not to say Kraken is in it. Yeah, this, Kra- this well, is, yeah, that's this, what we need to talk so about. So let's now. get into yeah. towards the end game. It actually becomes Kraken's game to lose because Kraken is Hakan with quantum data. We don't think Quant- Kraken's going to get quantum data hub node, but he finds a way in like the second to last round. He just barely pulls off getting quantum data hub node, and then forgets to save the command counter for yeah. quantum data hub. Node. Yeah, there's there, uh, we and, enter the agenda phase, and he does not put a command counter in strategy and it cost him probably not a hundred percent definitely but probably cost him the game yeah um i don't know like so essentially what happens is you know he's he needs uh the eight yeah he has a action phase secret right not uh, a hard one, too. Not a hard one. However, someone does play a, a, a mean action card yeah. that makes it difficult for him to score right. that uh, that action face secret. Um, but instead, that whole score two-pointer, then win with an action face secret opportunity goes to Kool-Aid. Yep. Who is who takes, the actual speaker? Basically, right. Kool Aid as speaker should have lost Imperial to Hakan via Quantum Data Hub node, but because Kraken just forgot, just just actually misplayed, forgot that the command token was supposed. You had to have three trade goods and a command token. That's the big thing with Quantum mm-hmm. Data Hub node is it costs a lot. Uh, they forgot it, which let Kool Aid just keep Imperial, right, and gave Kool Aid a pretty smooth path uh, to the victory. Now, I do, I do want to be fair because, like I said, a mean action card got played. Yeah, on, yeah, Kraken's uh, on path Kraken. was not guaranteed. It was not guaranteed, and I even think in a situation where um, Quantum Data Hub node uh, was in play, right. I think there's still a chance that Kool Aid could have just won the game on the one. Right. Uh, if yeah, the they would have exhausted a lot out. of effort stopping Kraken, signal right. jamming, all this right. stuff would have right. stopped him, and then. Yeah, Kool-Aid would have done their 
secret and then just won the stage two on leadership in the status phase. Right. Basically. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Essentially, what could have happened with Kraken instead happened with Kool-Aid. And now we have Kool-Aid going to the finals. Yep. So. Uh, Game number three featured Tail Gunner, Ollie, Walrus Berserker, Wolfen, S. Pilgrim, and Dadok is in. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one was the third game of the first weekend so we were kind of rounding off our first weekend of games uh hunter this one was uh a one you were a part of i didn't see so much of yeah but i know going into it i had high hopes for uh mostly ollie and s pilgrim those were the two i had been kind of keeping up with the most and the, the rest sort of s- snuck by me these are a lot of new faces to me that yeah. i was excited about yeah um, I think uh, Wolfen won uh, won his prelims game uh, in really interesting, spectacular fashion. Um, I learned over the course of this game to really love Walrus Berserker. Um, so overall, yeah, very happy with uh, with this group. Yeah. I will say something happened in the early game that caused two of these players to get a little bit, I would say, sidetracked. Yeah. Um, so what happened was uh, Ollie was playing as uh, Isarl in the yellow spot. And Tailgunner was playing as Sardak in the purple spot. Mm-hmm. Hope's End is in the equidistant. And they kind of get caught up fighting yeah. each other for that. For, and it's I hard would to say, understand like what the game like why. They're just they just kind of arbitrarily decide over hope. That was something I could never understand. Yeah. Is, is there a logic to why they're fighting well, so much over Hope's End? I think the way Ollie thought of it was like if I let Sardak have Hope's End, mm-hmm. then Gamma is gonna ruin my game. Right. They, I will say though, it never really got past that for me. I, I think they both kind of ruined each other's games, mm-hmm. um, and and so by the end, it was just kind of like, well, I don't know what's up with them. Um, uh, you then get Wolfen in blue uh, as Empyrean, uh playing uh, just kind of a game of you know Empyrean game of sneaky trading. Um, they're in blue, so they're a little, sp- they're spread a little thin. Blue yep. also has a lot of great empty space, so pretty good slice, uh, yeah. for Empyrean. Um, in white, you have Dodakazin playing as, uh, the Barony. Um, and things just didn't really go, like, yeah. honestly, just the luck was not. Ba- Barony is a good faction on the semis. We talked a lot about the prelims map and Barony underperformed. Barony had lots of things going right for them on this map. This yeah. is a, the, the semis map. We haven't talked about it hardly at all, but it's, it's a equidistant focused map. It's right. It's, it's you, you have to get blue tech very quickly. That's been kind of a feature of almost every semis map is we make the semis map like this high risk sort of thing. And so Barony should do well, but yeah, their game just never fully takes off. Yeah. Um, and then Walrus Berserker uh, is in green and S Pilgrim is in red. Um, S Pilgrim plays a pretty solid game. Uh, Walrus Berserker, I think, had a really strong game in the late game uh, because essentially what happens is Wolfen in blue ends up with Imperial like three times. And and I'll explain how that happens. What happens is they take Imperial one round. They play Political Stability to keep it the next round. And then they use the Codex to get Political Stability again and play it again. So this isn't something the table let them do. This is Imperian getting the right action cards and yeah. having the right stuff at the right time. It's that it's that seventh player stuff. The yeah. board game delivered uh, Wolfen as Empyrean, and, and it's Empyrean. Yeah. So there's not like a sabotage response to this. No. As long as we can keep our mechs out there, right. we have a response to a sabotage. So yeah, basically impossible for, impossible for them to prevent Wolfen from going out ahead. Yeah. So what happens is Wolfen is uh, very much locking this game up, 
And uh, I'm going to give a lot of credit, again, to Walrus Berserker. Uh, did a very good job of kind of conducting the table yep. in order to win Slay Wolfen to the best extent that they could. Yeah. And they decimated Wolfen yeah. to the point where all Wolfen had left was their home system. They had even taken the sky. Right. But it's Empyrean. Very difficult to take the home system. Now, um, so uh, what happens is that they go to the agenda phase and Wolfen is at nine points uh, with one secret in hand. Uh, They basically eliminated Wolfen at this point, so they're not really that worried about what uh, that last secret is because no matter what it is, it's like, well, they have like no plastic. Action phase isn't going to happen. You can't go take, yeah, totally. Right, so they get to an agenda. It's a law for or against. Uh, They're tired. The game's been going for a long time. And they all, uh, Wolfen is speaker for... um, reasons i think actually what happens is uh purple tail gunner gives wolf in the speaker because they're like listen you're basically you're out dead. and i want to be yeah. second pick um and I, they were like already speaker or something like that um so everyone decides to pass on voting on this thing it gets to wolfen and then wolfen excitedly votes for and the reason is because it is the third of three laws yep. and they use three laws in play yep. as their final point now that might seem it might like, sound oh, the table just screwed up. Right. Oh, so dumb play. It's actually, I really want to break this play down. This would be like a very good, uh, if play I did week. that play of the week thing, this would be a very good play to break down because this has several layers to it. So Wolfen, in the round where Wolfen is getting Winslade, Wolfen is looking at his hand. Oh, I need three laws in play. There's two. Oh, that's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. So what does he do? He gets Void Watch. Void Watch is the, I activate your ships, you give me a promissory note. What is the most common promissory note that people are going to give Wolfen? Political secret. And he's in a position that they are they have to win slam. He gets Void Watch to. when it's like, they are going they to, to target me. Yeah. They are forced so, to attack. It's like the one time that Void Watch becomes amazing. So his own, the only flaw in this plan is that he has support swapped with Purple, Tail Gunner in mm-hmm. Purple. So Tail Gunner is not, does not help right. with the wind slang for obvious reasons. not going to give up his point yeah. uh, in order to do it. But he's able to get every political secret except for Tailgunner, uh, who is sitting right next to him in his first to vote. So Wolfen makes, in my opinion, so Wolfen already has set up a really good play yeah. for getting three laws and closing this game up. And then Wolfen, I think, pushes it further in making a decision to not play any of the political secrets. Yeah. Basically, Wolfen looks at this and is like, okay, so in the win timing window, which is well before voting, yeah. I could start playing all these political secrets. But if I do that, these players are going to wake up and see, and what's, see going what's going on. And right. they're going to think, oh, he needs a third law. So Wolfen does not play a single political and secret. And that's why the other players are able to stay asleep yep. <laughs> during the what's what's hitting them. And they all know that Wolfen has their political secrets too. So you could even say maybe they feel a little bit protected at the idea that, well, if I mean, this isn't going to do anything to Wolfen, so we can kind of just go for it. Right. I don't, was was anybody else at nine with a secret in hand? Like, I mean, sh- surely the tables were sort of, the table was sort of sleeping on the idea that that secret could come out. Right. But even then, it seems like it wasn't a threat from anybody else besides right. Wolfen, and they weren't looking at Wolfen anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I believe Walrus Berserker was at nine, actually, with okay. a secret in hand. So I do think that, because I, I have been at more the time, aware of that. I was very much feeling like if it went another round, Walrus Berserker was going to luck out luck and, and pick it up. Walrus Berserker, very, I played a game with Walrus Berserker just the other day, and I can also attest to like 
how good <laughs> he is at talking to at talking to the table. Mm-hmm. He gets in on every single deal. He he is he's very very good. Yeah. So let's talk about game four. Yeah. So game four featured Rando Calrissian, Planet Earth, Savage Thirteen, Andra, Alice, and Micmac Moose. Yeah. So uh, this was this weekend was a very distinctly different vibe. From the first weekend weekend. prior. The weekend prior was like, oh my gosh, absolute chaos all over the place all the time. And this one, uh, this was the first game where we saw someone's just racing for it. Someone's got a a, a round four victory lined up. And Rando Calrissian in uh, the green slice was as soul was that for this game. Um, They were just screaming ahead. And honestly, in the commentary, like it looked like there was nothing that was going to stop Rando. I mean, right. he, he, he had such an obvious path to pull all of this off. He he used his hero, the sole hero round four, after a lot of the players had passed. And he was just like on easy street. Like it was just like, I get to now take a bunch of activations and do all the things I need to do to win. And then the dice change their mind. And, right. and in similar to Planet Earth's prelims games, where the dice went crazy, when Planet Earth is in a game, the dice explode right uh and rando i i don't uh, apparently there has been some discussion of what the odds actually were for this pivotal fight that rando had to win um some metrics say he had an 80 percent chance to win some people say he had a 60 percent chance to win what i know is there was a some action card was played like right at the top of this thing that changed the odds completely like it completely shook uh how well this fight was going to go for rando that and that's what turned it to something like a 50 50 or close enough um but regardless rando what looked like a complete dynamite runaway has his whole game crushed and then the agenda phase immediately following that, where everyone's like, okay, now we all have to sort of posture for a win, and it's going to be a big round five. Wormhole Reconstruction comes out and goes against, which locks down a bunch of players' stuff, including uh, Alice as Muat in yellow. Alice with, as Argent. In as yellow. Argent with Warson. Sorry, I just, I'm thinking of the Warson, so I assumed it was Muat. But no, it, they, Alice has an awesome Argent Warson game that's also just worth seeing for that. But they have a Warson parked almost directly outside of Ghosts of Creus's home system with Conquer the Week out. It's like, oh man, Alice is going to run away with this now, except for Alice's fleet gets locked down. A bunch of other people's big fleets, like all this stuff gets locked down. Right. Planet Earth has her game thrown out the window because her entire fleet, like the only plastic she has yeah, on she's the board. Play, she's playing as ghosts. And, and this is a design yeah. to hurt ghosts. Right. So like multiple players have the chances they maybe were going to have thrown out the window. Then immediately after that agenda, Ixthian Artifact comes out and crushes Purple's chances. So after all of it, Rando was going to win. Oh, okay. Well, then without Rando winning, uh, Argent or Ghosts are going to win. Oh, that agenda took away Ghosts and Argent's plans. Okay, Purple's going to win. Oh, Purple's and, chances and Purple, were taken away. Uh, it's worth noting as Moose playing as Barony. Barony, yeah. yeah. And and having a, salt, a rich <laughs> Barony in Purple is like the wealthiest you can be. Yeah, on somehow. That and I actually... Uh, I don't this get is how not it a, kept happening. I did not see this entire game. But how did Moose get onto... Did... Mech, did did Moose just activate the nebula, move there, and then get to? Was there like warfare? I believe play? so because it was a late game play. Soul was on Mechatol for a while. Mechatol changed hands quite a lot of times in that yeah. game, from okay. what I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like it was moving. Around. I think that was 
uh, Moose was on it and Soul was trying to take it back or something. Regardless. I also want to point out at this point that we have, uh, so Andra is sitting in white playing yes. as Nomad. Nomad. Yeah. And uh, before we get to this kind of round four madness, Andra was sprinting ahead of all of the other players. Oh, right, yeah. In rounds two and three, Andra was already at like six points. Yeah, and, it was and, then, and then slow rolled for the yes. rest of the game. A little bit because there just weren't points for them left to score. And a little bit because they were like, I people are looking at me funny. I got to right. chill a little yes. bit. And Rando sort of took that heat away. And so like I was describing, Alice had a shot. Planet Earth had a shot. Micmac Moose lost like seriously some of the most resources I've ever seen lost from an Ixthian artifact. It was like a flagship and a full fleet. Yeah, flagship, couple died. dreads. I mean, it, it was 30, 30 to $40. And so many, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then that's their shot gone. Uh, so then going into uh, round five, there's basically now a like a blue and and even purple still has a shot. We're like, like we're looking at everybody's shots, even though we're all working with peanuts. We all have like nothing left. There's yeah. no units on the board, right. but we still have to pay attention to all of the wins available. And Alice is a big player in all. Of, I mean, Alice is like just doing everything they can to make it go to round six because right. all this stuff got locked down. If Alice can get it to round six, Alice has an amazing chance to win. Because again, that Warson is parked right outside of Ghost right, Home System. Right. They're going to get there. And I, re I remember tuning into this game when Alice is rallying the table to kind of get some wind slaying going. Um, and it was at a point where Savage, mm -hmm. as Empyrean in blue... Yep. Uh, was likely to win exactly. at that point. Yeah, so and Alice is able to figure, they're, they're able as a team to figure out how to stop Savage yeah. in blue. Yeah. And on top of making sure stopping Savage doesn't line things up for anybody else, except, and this is sort of the theme of this game, is we're doing all of this work. We spend so much time, but basically nobody is ever calling out the fact that Nomad, Andra as Nomad in white, has played their hero... That nomad, that flagship is going to go wherever it wants. Right. Nomad has a huge stockpile of command counters, so we know that the nomad flagship is going to go for a home system to conquer the right. week. We just know that, but right. like nobody does anything. How many times about did Conquer it? the Week come out in the semifinal? It seems <laughs> like it came two, out a lot. It feels like more than it's, that, yeah. it seems like it came out a lot. <laughs> um, I also want to say that uh, in part of the the wind slaying planning, one of the things that they had to do that I think opened up Andra. Andra's yes. ability to walk into the victory is they used Ghost's hero yep. to move the Argent home system next to the Empyrean home system. Mm -hmm. And you know that Empyrean home system, it's hard to crack. So yeah. But in doing that, they brought another home system right next to Nomad. And I don't even remember if Andra used that home, no, home system. He, he ended up having the easiest shot at Barony's oh, home system. Right. But that was the point is Nomad had this straight shot to like Four different home systems, and it right. was just like pick, and you have like six command counters to do it. Right, and all of that isn't to take any credit away from Andra because the thing is that's how locked up Andra's win actually. Because was. Andra got so far ahead in exactly. the beginning, there was no way for the Winslay stuff to really Apply. overcome. You yeah. couldn't. You just couldn't. It's it's it shouldn't even be categorized as why didn't they try to stop Andra? They couldn't have. Right. Nothing they could have. But what's what is frustrating in the commentary about that game is if they can't stop Andra, 
why are they exhausting so much effort? So it's that type of situation. Yeah. So that's where this game feels a little, not win make, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but if you're watching the game, you're going to hear our commentary kind of be like, why are they doing this? Like, I don't understand how this, and there, and there's a lot of that active talk of like, I'm doing this so that we go another round, but it's like, okay, but like we can look at Andra's position and know that Andra probably has a path to victory here. So, uh, yeah, Andra just is able to pull off the things that nobody else is able to do in that final round, primarily because it's Nomad, and that's, I mean, right. Nomad's good at the game. That is that's that is the benefit of playing Nomad. Yeah, so Andra wins game four, going to the finals. Okay, next up is game number five. Uh, first thing to note, just right off the top, uh, this is the longest game of the entire tournament. Longest game of the tournament. Shame, shame, <laughs> the, shame. There was no tiebreaker in the semis, so it's it's a little bit of we did it to ourselves. But, I mean, obviously, we didn't want to do the tiebreaker. And the semis, we had the breathing room. We we knew this could happen. Uh, if anything, it's a little bit of a testament to Prophecy of Kings. Last year's tournament, we saw multiple 14-hour-long games. Unacceptable. 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 This is why the tiebreaker existed. But without the tiebreaker in place, this one's like 11 and a half hours long. That's, Shame. So that's, as, it's, that's bad, Shame. but that's at least as bad as it ever gets. Shame on their names. <laughs> Shame on each name. So so what what happens in this one? Well, this for, is a fun game. This is awesome. This yeah. one, yeah, this, this is kind of one of, even though it's so long, this is the one that is most deserving of, of us like going through and doing like a Spark Notes version of this game because totally. it's too long to endure, but it's so worth watching yeah. all of the major beats of it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, players in it were Axel, the humble checkmate, Sir Thomas, Mozart Trilar, Hammer, and Goldie. Yeah. So, this one's fun. Uh, I w- first, I want to talk about um, Sir Thomas, uh, who sat in red the red spot and played as Mahawked. So noble pick. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, I feel like started rooting for Sir Thomas automatically because of the pick. Yep. Um, he played the most you game <laughs> I've ever seen, which yeah. is he had like no plastic ever. Yeah. Uh, and he was like swinging wildly yeah. for everything. Um, <laughs> was somehow playing smart enough above the table to where he was never horribly punished yep. uh, for being super overextended. Uh, half of his points by the end were all guac. Yeah, he it was took- like a guac one-to-one chip ratio. <laughs> Ridiculous. He, he, took, he took the custodian's point and got two Imperial Mechatol points. Only scored three public objectives. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even sure he took the custodian's point. I think he just like moved in there and started just taking got Imperial, Imperial I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not entirely certain on that, but it was just like the most like rickety yeah. game I've seen in a minute, yeah. basically. <laughs> um, and then you have the other the other players to talk about. We have uh, Goldie in green. Um, we have uh, Humble Checkmate in blue uh, playing as a con. Uh, Axel is playing in white slice as uh, L1Z1X. L1Z1X. Uh, we've got Mozart Trilar, Mozart Trilar in, yellow. in yellow. Hammer in purple. Hammer in purple. I don't so, faction. So uh, Mozart Trilar, I want to say, played a solid game. Yeah. Things just didn't really work out that well for him, uh, although he still, he maybe had a shot if this game had gone uh, even longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Axel uh, played, a, I would say, a very good game as L1 up to a point because here's what happened. Goldie in green, uh, who's playing as Soul. Yep. So Goldie, uh, Goldie is playing as Soul, and it actually seems like 
um, we're going to have a repeat situation of game four where we have someone playing a soul in green and they are locking the game up in round four. Axel uh, decides, hey, I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to shut down um, this. They use their hero. They just narrowly shut down soul but then they also sort of lose everything yeah. all of their plastic yeah um however it at least forces around five but i will say axel who i think had played a great game up until that point basically had to throw their own game in the trash yeah. in order uh to continue the game and, and even within that they did have this like slimmest of slim chances to potentially win it themselves like in the end right but not enough because of all because a lot of other stuff, too many other things happen. <laughs> right. Um, and also, I want to call out uh, Humble Checkmate is yep. really trying to run the above the table stuff. Yep. Um, and we come into the next round with it looking like Humble Checkmate as Hakan in blue is going to win this game, yep. unless Goldie can pull something off, right. which is still seems kind of possible. Goldie comes into round five with some plastic left, no space dock, yep. notably. No way to produce units, and Goldie does not find a way to do that right. at this point. Um, so Humble is very much like, I want to win this game. How do we stop Goldie from even getting an inch, Right, basically? Um and they even continue, Humble continues to successfully get the table to not look at Humble and instead pay more attention to Goldie. It's to the wild. Extent, it's like mind control. It's pretty wild. It, it does get to a point where in my commentary, I'm basically making Humble out to be a villain. Yes. Which is ironic because for what I'm about to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically Goldie is down to nothing. Um, and it becomes very obvious that Goldie uh, is at nine points now. And for their final point, they just need to score become a martyr it's obvious i mean it's, it's really it's obvious. obvious the problem is they've that, emptied out their entire home system there's like a there's a fighter there and there's a, a fighter. fighter there's one of each yeah. and they're just like oh and the table kind of calls it out and then the goldie starts like bringing people to the dark arts so yeah basically what happens is goldie becomes the devil <laughs> and the rest of the table um is all thinking about having a round six. Nobody else is going to win this game, it looks like. Except for Humble checks Except for Humble. They they do recognize, finally, that they have... For most of this round, which is a very long final round, they're not talking about Hakan at all, and Hakan is like, you gotta do something about Seoul, even right. though I'm sitting on, like, a million planets and a million dollars, and it's a stage two economic objective. I'm just sitting here, right. definitely gonna win, but it, it is so great when they finally do turn, and it's like, literally, we have to take every single planet away from Hakan, and they're doing it. Right. So Humble sees the writing in the sky. Right. So, this is what Goldie does. Goldie <laughs> decides that he's just gonna say, hey, I have become a martyr, Humble, they are turning on you. They are going to try and windslay you and starts pointing out like, hey, might be doable, might be possible. Um, the the final point that Humble needs to score uh, is a economic point. Yep. Uh, I believe it was... Spend 16 resources. Was it spend 16 resources? It may have been influenced. It was 16 for sure. It's, it's He something... had a large stockpile of trade goods, but not enough if he lost enough planets, and he was losing enough planets. And remember, right. the Hakan home system is not very good for resources. You have three bucks in your home system. So whatever it was, the point was that Goldie would give all of his trade goods to Humble if Humble would, and this is kind of a Magi's Gambit, if Humble would attempt to invade Goldie's home system. Yep. Humble only had uh, a few things that could get there, and it was like not super great odds. It was going to be even gonna equivalent succeed. to, I don't know if it was exactly this, but it was basically like two 
Hakan ground forces invading versus one spec ops defending. And like, that's not favorable for the attacker. That right. That is just barely, or it, you know, similar enough to that where it's like, it's like a 50, 50 shot odds or less for first, uh, for humble checkmate to take that home system, thus scoring soul the point to win. Yes. Um, also, there is, remember, that fighter in the air. Right, they have to win the space combat, too, and they don't have enough ships to bring. Yeah, so I think it's like a carrier and a fighter. I might be wrong. There may have been a carrier and a destroyer. Um, they get sent. The fighter scores two hits and destroys the ships. Wow. So so technically, what should happen now is Goldie should give yep. the trade goods to Humble, and Humble will now have the game locked they up. They didn't do it binding. So Goldie just says, okay, uh well how about instead of doing that i make the same offer to somebody else to axel does somebody else want to do l1z1x and he tries to get axel to do it because axel could do it right um axel thinks about it for a little while decides that uh he's not gonna deal with the devil um does a little bit of a misplay trying to shut down goldie's ability to trade with with humble checkmate right it's it's almost more extortion against axel where where uh goldie says if you don't do this right i will give the money it's not saying axel yes. if you it is also i'll give the money to you but it's specifically that i'm also not giving it to hakan yes so come do this uh and so axel's play in his head is well if i can go take this other system adjacent to soul's home system it actually blocks the path of the two of these players being neighbors which in his head, he's misplaying. It's it's our 11 and a half of this right, game. Right. And it's Axel in England time. It's like 3 a.m. for right. Axel or later. It's a horrible situation for Axel's brain. And Axel thinks, if I can cut this off, they can't do the trade. And Goldie cannot win make Hakan. Obviously forgetting Hakan doesn't care if your neighbors or not. Yes, correct. Um, so, yeah, uh, Axel kind of shows... Uh, his hand as far as like I am uh, not going to indulge this yeah. uh, the deal with the devil does does go through Goldie does honor it now that no one will uh, join him in being an evil traitor yeah. Goldie you evil traitor yeah. you that's the darkest that's like among the darkest plays we've ever seen in tournament history I love it you little demon Magi is the only other one who's like broken a just barely non-binding deal. it's like yeah. it couldn't be binding but it's like just as close as it would be crazy for you to break it and he's like yeah I'm gonna break it Magi's like the only other one I've ever seen do that and right. Goldie's was for more like more on the table it was more stakes yeah, yeah. it would have it would have decided the the winner well and in fact it did decide the winner exactly. because goldie gives the trade goods away and that's it and that's it humble is going to win the game now right. and humble was maybe probably not going to win without those trade goods right so that's it done deal humble wins yeah and I would say most most controversial yeah. winner. I do I I do apologize in the, <laughs> in the game in the game commentary wise because here's why I apologize and and I'm I'm apologizing now. This is the apology arc. We're still in it. <laughs> um, I made it out as if humble was the villain of this game coming yeah. into the last round because I thought Goldie sort of deserved to win uh -huh. because they had held on after mm -hmm. being winslayed. Sure. But then Goldie showed. You didn't know how dark Goldie could go. <laughs> yeah, that in dirt, like he's dirty, right. dirty bad boy. Well, well, and the and the first... nasty bad bad boy <laughs> in trouble. Yeah, and then and then in the end, humble uh, was I think 
the hero. But Humble will still win, mate. Actually, you know what? This is just a dirty game. Yes. Y'all are y'all are nasty. But but here's the thing, too. We've and Humble points this out. We've done this to Humble before in the root oh, semifinals. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here's how here's how in I my categorize. Guts, I think I just have a problem <laughs> with Humble. Well, and Humble, you'll you'll hear it in the finals. Humble's name is perfect for this because the reason we get so much guff on Humble is because Humble is sitting there. The ball in his court. He's so easily going to lock this up, and he's mm-hmm. still like, I don't know, guys. I don't think I have it, and I think somebody else is going to win. And we're like, Humble, you have the checkmate. It's like, no, I don't think. I'm pretty humble. I'm a pretty humble checkmate. I don't think I have. He believes, and we. Yeah, and we, I don't buy it. We That's feel what it like is. it's Hollywood. And I we go, it's, I don't knock think it's it real. off. Yeah. You are talking as if you're not about to win this, yeah. and you're totally about to win this, and somehow you're yeah. convincing the table. You're riling me up right I now. I know. <laughs> you suck, Humble. I hate you. <laughs> Now I have to apologize to Humble I'm, again. No, I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked so to have sorry. that dynamic in the finals. There's got to be a villain. There's got to be I mean? a villain. And, and it's Humble. You're a villain. I Is it Humble? Or, I think we're grind my gears, We're going to have two villains in, in the... We'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. Let's get into game six real quick. Yeah. Uh, just to, to round this off. Game six featured G, Teddy's Jam for You, Visor John, James K. Polk, Protein Ninja, and Vision S. Yeah. So this one's great if you want a good draft. Oh, this is man. like the best draft. Just watch Love the beginning draft. of this game to know you want to watch the rest of yeah. it because the draft is so, so good. They did interesting things. There were interesting factions taken. Uh, Muat was a big player in this game. Yep. Uh, Visionists uh, picked Muat before even picking a slice um, because it was such a priority. Uh, Teddy ends up with uh, Argent. We've got Protein Ninja with Jolnar. We've got Visor John ends up with Cabal. Uh, G takes uh, Sardak. James K. Polk, uh, former U.S. president, takes the Necrovirus. I mean, almost every single one of those factions are factions that we like never saw in yeah. the tournament. I mean, so the- or just didn't get their. You know, Sardak was picked a lot, but like yeah. as we said before, didn't really get their day in the sun. Right. Um. So yeah. Uh. It's it becomes a really interesting game. Um. Protein Ninja and uh, Visor John. Visor John also notably uh defeated two previous finalists oh yeah in his uh prelims game was really kind of hot on visor john but i will say this is another situation kind of similar to what we talked about with ollie and tail gunner where we had two players that were neighbors that were really just kind of tripping each other up Mm -hmm. in the early game and i would say too much they kind of overcommitted. cost them they they cost each other kind of a lot of time um they eventually fix it later also, at some point, things get really weird with uh, G as Sardak as well. I just feel like the Cabal, Visor John playing as Cabal was maybe a little too aggro, which I think is fair because I, I believe it was Visor John's first or maybe second game as Cabal. It's I hard to some know point. what to do with Cabal when yeah. you've heard a lot about Cabal but have not played them a lot yourself. Yeah. It's even after I've played Cabal a decent number of times, though, I still don't fully know what you're supposed to do with Cabal. It's right. very tricky. Right, yeah, I, I definitely think it's tricky. So you've got this kind of story emerging uh, sort of from the get-go of like the southern half of the board yep. uh, really kind of hurting each other quite a bit. Um, G, and, and it's just not, G is playing a Sardak and the game is just not really going the right direction for a Sardak victory. Yeah. Um, although no tech objectives come out, which I mentioned because Vision S goes with a very bold strategy uh, for Muat. Yeah. Uh, they basically do not prioritize tech in uh, in the early game at all, although they do fix some of their tech, tech problems later. But the very beginning, all we focus on is just moving that War Sun out and star forging a lot yeah. and using that mech ability over and over. So eventually... 
you know, we're we're in the yellow slice. So we go uh, down. We expand into one planet system. Abyss we're Freya. doing Abyss Freya. We're doing a bunch of star forging. We move on to Hope's End. Yep. More star forging. More just building up, building up, and eventually takes it all the way to Mechatol Rex, yep. where we start collecting some guac. Now, of course, it's the slow way. Yes, and we end up taking warfare twice in order to make it happen. But I loved it. It yeah. was it was a fantastic opening because what ends up happening is you've got. Uh, Muat that has decisively taken uh, Mechatol Rex. That's it. They're, That's it. That's not, done. She is not That's losing Mechatol. She's not losing it. And we've just got infantry in mechs just on all of the mm-hmm. planets. And then we build, of course, our second war sun at home. It was just positionally, yeah. it was beautiful. You just um, need the objectives to, to pay you for it. Well, yeah. And, and the thing is, the objectives were definitely not... I would say they were not punishing the right. strategy is right. what, the way I would put it. They weren't necessarily perfect. Yeah. Um, but they it definitely, there was nothing, there was nothing obnoxious, like two and two colors coming yeah, out totally. to kind of like, have, oh, we got to focus on tech now. Yeah. No, we can ignore tech in the early game and it, and it worked out. And we took uh, warfare twice in a row in order to really uh, make this strategy work very quickly. Yeah. Um, it was beautiful. Teddy had kind of, already sneaked custodians he was argent so of course he was gonna get yeah. there first right um and and i believe he takes uh both of his equidistance um and generally um if you've seen teddy play before he's very much an above the table player and because of the madness in the southern half of the board i feel like teddy took a lot of advantage in making uh friends in the top half and in the bottom half right. but basically just like playing uh into the meta very very well which is i think kind of his specialty while also building up some uh wild def- defenses they uh teddy went for airy hollow lattice like yeah. very fast yeah you normally see argent go striking alpha like first because that's what like unlocks all your potential sure, sure but teddy was basically recognizing very very early on that like my potential is the war in the south and just like i kind of already have everything so as long as i can lock it up and just have defenses online ready to go right i'm i may be in smooth sailing right and he prioritized getting a hold of uh jolnar's commander mm-hmm. so we had the argent commander ability plus the, the jolnar commander ability game. so our pds network which we had basically a, a it was like a donut yeah. it was like a circle coming out from the home system uh, of pds on various planets um shooting you know a ridiculous amount of pds shots with re-rolls yeah. uh it was very it was a very defensive stance but he was able to uh secure uh three guac because we got the custodians point uh seat of the empire came out uh, we got that point, and then of course we did a support swap. So our guac situation was basically ahead of of everybody else's, yeah. which meant when we get to round four, and I want to, I, I should mention James K. Polk as well. James K. Polk, Vision S, and Teddy are kind of playing the like nicer game. Yeah, Vision S kind of has something on on Teddy, which is that I have Mechatol Rex now, right? So I can pick up guac in the late game. Teddy is a little more like I already have it. Yeah, I don't. All I need to do is make sure this game doesn't fall apart for me right now. And James K. Polk is kind of in, I would say, a strong situation to contend for Mechatol Rex in a final round. But we're in round four, and it looks like Teddy might win the game in round four. Everyone is a little bit unsure, and Teddy keeps kind of saying that things are not actually that locked up for him. Um, Everyone is talking about whether Vision S should use Nova Seed on Teddy. Because of Hollow Lattice, there's basically only one system that's eligible. Right. Um, But it's all about figuring out, you know, Teddy has two secrets in hand, 
What are those secrets? Right. Can he score them? And that's a horrible position to be in because there, it, there's so much uncertainty. How much does Muat want to burn their hero in round four yeah. if you might have a whole round five of a ton of wind slaying that you have to do? Right. Um, and yeah, again, it's the problem with Nova Cita is it's just something that hurts the other player, doesn't necessarily help you. And it's too targeted. It's so isolated to just one spot on the map. So you really have to like bet that that is the right thing to do yeah and it's such a cold call in this case uh, i just recently had a game that was similar to this where you just like i think i just have to take the chance that it's yeah. that that this wouldn't stop them anyways maybe right so essentially how it plays out is there's a lot of discussion of nova seating um i believe it is uh no it's not Bacall elio prima dalbutha dalbutha zihan dalbutha zihan has two uh, pds on it yeah and the thing is, they're talking about secrets, right? Um, from the, I don't know if the table ever recognized this, but from the streaming desk, we were able to tell that Teddy likely had four mech on four different planets. So yeah. that's one secret. That's right. a status phase. But good luck. There's no way to take what it do from you do? them. Yeah. The way the mech are spread out, they can't get through the hollow lattice to destroy any of these mech. So that's locked down. Uh, he has an economic public objective that's pretty locked down. Yeah. Uh, so there's no way to stop that. Uh, they do stop him from scoring. I believe he was trying to score three and empty, mm. but he could just fall back on the, on the, uh, economic. the, the economic one. Um, so they discuss for a while, oh, what should we do? Should we do this thing? And I w- actually, and even now, because w- what we're about to reveal is Teddy's about to win this game. Yeah. But Vision S decided not to Nova Seed, and I 100% agree with it, and I still agree with it, yeah. even though it, it costs the game. Yeah. Because Vision S's whole thing was like, I am going to have to contend with, uh, like, I have speaker advantage yep. and Mechatol Rex. It's very good for me if I don't burn all my resources right now. Yeah. And and Nova Seed is, could be, uh, in a round five situation, a resource against James K. Polk, right. who is likely going to turn on Vision S in the next round to try and take Mechatol Rex. Right. Um, in, in, in order to either block Vision S from picking up a, a late guac or because they are themselves, who knows, public disgrace, sure. stuff like that could happen. It could go wild. Um, so I think she makes the right call. However, it ends up that Teddy has turned their fleets to dust in Which his hand. It's like the only one. It's a hard one for everybody but Argent, too. Sure. Argent with Jolnar, uh, it's, and, and there was just like a small little, it's like a carrier and a fighter near, yeah. near enough by where it's like, okay, this is an easy pop shot. I'm going to get like four shots with re-rolls or whatever. Yes. And actually, I'm, I am forgetting one thing. Uh, they actually, pre- they do not, they fail in preventing uh, Teddy from scoring three and three empty systems. He has Imperial. He scores that off of Imperial and mm. has the e- economic objective for the, the status phase. Yeah. So we end up scoring that. We draw a new secret. It's turn their fleets to dust. Teddy convinces the table to not Nova seed his PDS. He immediately activates James K. Polk as like a carrier and a fighter. Yeah. Uh, and it's like two PDS with the Argent thing, with the reroll thing. So I mean, much. it's so easy. Yeah. Uh, we turn the fleets to dust and then they cannot prevent the four mech on four different planets because of hollow lattice. And that's it. GG Teddy in round four. Yeah. So this whole weekend was people lining up a round four victory in green slice. All yeah. three of them. In green. Soul, Each soul, time Argent. In green. Yeah. green slice is the one to get ahead on, but only, uh, only Teddy is able to lock it up, but it's due to a lot of crazy factors basically. Yeah. So, well, and also like, I, I mean, I think Teddy would admit this too. 
drawing turn their fleets to dust. Yeah. I mean, like... Uh, just having lucky objectives throughout the whole game. I mean, Arjun is very good at stage ones. I'm not going to call that completely yeah, lucky. No. Every stage one is good for In Arjun. In fact, I'm pretty sure push boundaries came out, though, which is a good yeah. objective for Arjun. Right. So, I mean, I don't sure. know. Like, there, it, there, There's a lot at play there, but, you know, you, you don't... You don't win... Uh, on luck alone, yeah. basically. Teddy had luck, but also had solid play. And solid talking people out of... I mean, like, at the end of the day, Teddy played at least some role in getting people not to use that Nova seat. Right. The, the rest of the table also contributed to the discussion. They all sort of talked each other out of it. But obviously, Teddy's, like, pushing and planting little seeds to sow, uh, you know, doubt in, in he the plan. He, Teddy's style is of talking i would say is not quite used car salesman yeah because he talks a lot of sense he says right. things that make that make sense he right. doesn't he's not completely he's not trying to sell you something that doesn't work i feel like he's a, does a good job of table talking in a way where again like i said uh if if vision s had nova seated dalbutha zihan yep. uh one you know earlier uh then turn Turn fleece to dust would probably not have happened. It would have. Yeah, I think it was still possible, still but it would have been chances. very difficult yeah, yeah. to do. Um, and I don't. I don't think likely would have happened. Right. Um, but I'm still with Visionus. Like I still think that right she call. should have held on to it. And then in that in the off chance that Teddy did not uh, draw a secret they could score, likely completely protect your Mechatol Rex situation yep. with like Nova Seed. You would Nova Seed into. Uh, James K. Polk playing as Necro right. in red and kind of shut that situation down. I I feel like it made sense. And and I do want to say, and this might be torturous for Vision S. Listen, I have no idea. But I do think if it had gone another round, I think she would have won. Yeah, I think so. Very likely. Probably. Um, and, the, and her early game was so strong. I think James K. Polk and her would have tangled a little bit yeah. to decide who the winner was. But I think Spoilers, it the... would have been the only Muat win of the yeah. entire tournament. That's true. So, I mean, it we don't know what the finals that. will hold. but I, So that would have been cool. But yeah. also, we have Teddy... Going to the finals, yeah. I think he will bring something interesting to the finals. Yeah, let's talk through that real quick. We've got Talagos, Kool-Aid, Wolfen, Andra, the humble checkmate, and Teddy's Jam for You in the finals. This is a fun dynamic. We're going to learn a lot more about these players next week in our Road to the Finals thing. I'm, I'm interested to see what new information we glean from that. But already what I'm looking at are things like Kool-Aid and Humble are talky players that do weird deal-making and, and encourage messed up scenarios and players like Andra don't play ball with that. So I'm right. already expecting a dynamic there. And then I kind of see players like Teddy Talagos uh, and Wolfen to sort of live in the shadows of that chaos and discord and whatnot. Like, yeah, I, I think they're all solid enough players where they're just going to read every single situation and figure out their place in it and not stretch too far. I think of Wolfen and Talagos is a little bit more, um, I would say a little bit sneakier yeah. or maybe discreet right. is a good word for what they do. Yeah. Uh, Teddy and Humble, especially Humble, are very much out there. And totally. Humble is the villain and the bad guy. <laughs> and if he wins, then evil will reign. <laughs> so uh, if you want to see everything that these six players have to offer in, in this limited time you have left, if you're really trying to just watch a prelims and semis playlist that is so that you know what's going on in the finals, obviously watch the semis, but also watch uh, prelims game 5, 10, 15, 24, 28, and 31. Yeah. That is our six finalists prelims games. So you can see everything that these players do and have a better understanding of their style going into the finals. Yeah. 
uh, fun fact, and this this because you know who wins those games. Right. This is not a huge spoiler. Both humble and Teddy play as Mentak yeah. and win in yeah. their prelims games. It's pretty cool. It's awesome to have the yeah. Two, two even though highly... humble is the bad guy. <laughs> Somehow Talagos is the good guy. Yeah. I don't know. Hunter, make a call. Who are you rooting for? Just just because of whatever. It doesn't have to mean anything. This is just us being completely subjective. Who are you just sort of standing for in the finals? Well, let me put it this way. Yeah. So Kool-Aid had the goofy yeah. win in the prelims. Right. Um, so uh, does that mean to just say, so I'm not rooting for Kool-Aid? No. Kool-Aid, <laughs> I think Kool-Aid has the right attitude and could totally win it. I think any of these players could win it, obviously. Of That's course. the actual truth. Um, Andra, I just want to say, I think it's very cool that Andra is finally a non-UK European, yep. a yep. continental European. First continental European to make it into an SCPT final. Which is very cool. Yeah. And I think that would be a very good reason for Andra to win. I would love that. Yes. Um, I would like the winner to be American, though. I think it, it should come home. <laughs> we um, haven't done it yet. It, We've there hasn't been an American and UK. Yeah. Canadian and UK. I would like Canada's there to be a, out this year, but it's yeah. UK, America, and one check. Yeah. So, um, Wolfen... Uh, I think had very, very good games. Wolfen is very much on my radar. Uh, it's hard for me not to root for Telagos. Telagos is I, my answer. Telagos is good. Telagos yeah. is very good. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to see what ends up happening with Teddy and Humble. Yes. Um, because Teddy, I, Humble, and Kool-Aid. I really think those three are playing in the same head It's space. funny. Teddy, that, Teddy doesn't <sighs> Teddy doesn't propose all the crazy deals, but he plays the talky meta that Kool-Aid and Humble will be putting what forward. What is the deal with all of our American representatives this Being year? Crazy. Are goofy <laughs> weirdos. Yeah. All three of you. That's what it is. I mean, I'm, I'm, this, this is like a weird, this, none of this holds water, but to get regional with it, the, what we've started to learn about like finalists in SCPT tournaments is Canada is smart and ruthless. Yeah. I think we know this about, like, there's a group in, like, Edmonton or something that's just, like, they're all amazing and they're all so mean. <laughs> they're, yeah. like, the opposite of a Canadian right, right. social cliche or whatever. Yeah. Americans are wackadoodle and never find wins <laughs> in the finals. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, UK is smart and does well and, like, it's just salt, like, Micmac Moose, Duke Lukem, Wolfen, lot Like, UK, I think, is the most solid in all aspects of the game and then our continental european players are the ones that like play solid games but because they don't involve themselves in the meta yep. often fall behind that's somewhere. true there because are, of there how are stupid yeah, everyone else plays right they, they lose their traction that they <laughs> yeah. deserve to have yeah, from the fair. more mechanical so andra no let's say this for you andra though i would say when whenever the game starts yeah Get on get their on board. stupid level. Yes. Okay. <laughs> or here's the alternative for Andra. And it, it, I think it makes sense for Andra as a player. Let them play their stupid little game and watch them explode. Yeah. Sure. Watch them pop each other. Unless that doesn't just, happen. I know. Unless you it have becomes to, that's, stupid. That's yeah. what you have to watch is where is this stupid meta going? And can you play ball just enough? Yeah. We're gonna um, learn. We're gonna talk a lot more about this next week too, when we learn a little bit more about who these players really are and what they think about the game and how yeah. they play, what they what they bring to the table. I feel bad because it it kind of sounds like I'm throwing shade at Kool Aid and Humble. No, when in reality I am rooting for them because they are two of our three American representatives, right. and they change the game. I mean, yeah. that's part of Ti is 
get the meta on your court, make it right. yours, and and that sometimes offers you significantly more control. That's how Humble found his win yeah. in the semis. It's, it's like true. I took control and abused someone else playing goofy with the meta and and made it work to my advantage. Yeah, so, very yeah. excited. I I also it's it's uh, we haven't we haven't talked a lot about in this section about Teddy, um, and I just want to say a little thing about Teddy, which is just that like obviously he won me over winning as Mentak. Yeah. Um, Humble didn't, even though Humble won his Mentak. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. That that joke, I have to stop doing that. We're wearing it. We're wearing I, it I'm already wearing it out for myself. Um, Teddy winning as Mentak and then winning uh, as Argent, both times that I have watched Teddy play, yeah. I, I, I was, it was unexpected picks and unexpected results. Right. Um, I When he picked Argent, it was a little more like, okay, I think Argent, Argent will probably well. do yeah. pretty well. Um. I was a little bit worried, though, about the Argent pick because I felt like his neighbors, it wasn't going to work yeah, out well. Right. And then it did. It yeah. worked out great. Right. So I I will say that I think any of these players could win. I think they all have a solid shot. And I think it's fun how many of them are just very different types yeah. of players. And I think the winner of this game will be the person that plays both very well above the yep. table and on the table Definitely. because it's we've got three we've got three goobers yeah. goofies yep. that's half the that's half the table that's not how it was that's that was not yeah last year's finals table was not half goobers. you know yeah wasn't half goobers <laughs> yeah. i i am excited for this year if only because the finals is a perfect uh display of how the prelims of this tournament are which is there are so many new people that are amazing at this game. Yep. Last, the previous two years, we've had people in the finals where at least a couple of them, we were like, we know that, oh, Magi, we root for Magi. We know Magi. Oh, John, John's a big deal. Yeah. You know, there's people that we sort of like had built up. And this year, it's like, you are this new school coming in and and show, and, and some of these players have been around the whole time. I'm just saying it's people that we haven't seen make it this far. And I'm excited for it. It's like 100% chance of like, new blood being crowned yeah totally um and i i am very excited about this new group and i'm very excited uh for a little project i've got cooking uh <laughs> as far as stuff we can do with we've got just this massive group of people yeah that have all players. done really well yep. in the tournament i yep. wonder what we might Some do with post tournament be cool uh, stuff that we get to interesting have. stuff yep. we could do maybe won't maybe will oh also i wanted to throw this out here no qualifier made it to the final that yeah. was a sad thing Darn. That was a sad thing for me. I wanted to qualify. A lot were close. There were that, a, a hand, were, yeah. handful of qualifiers there were a lot that made of it very close, but just not quite. Too many games to play. Just too, many, too many. Too many games to play. I want to thank our Weird Bears, Farganess, Squeamish, Emu, Billy, BotBot, BrassBird, Brian, Kalu, and Kraken, and John, Son of Leto, Mate, Nason, Sunfax, Absol, Broduel, Rwise, Fweddy, T.G. Welch, Rumor Hippo, Privux, Big Al, Cappuccino, and Spirit Thing, and I want to thank our little Peace Turtles, Patience is a virtue. My f son is also named Bor, Anvilir, Alpha Squid, Dark Jutsu, Frank G, Gaskio, Goondock, Rekka, Carnals, King Scowl 64, Alice, Naderade, Nick, Uncle Batty, Teddy's Jam for You, and Beza 87. Oh my God. We got a bunch of new weird bears, and it is nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts, y'all. Yeah. There's too many. There's a lot of people wearing the jersey. Like, we literally have like a full team now. We have a team. Like, we could go play soccer. Yeah, we could probably. <laughs> yeah, we have a soccer team's worth. Yeah, I, speaking of which, I need to get those jerseys done. We're very close to having another wave of jerseys. And actually, I say and that. Pins are going out, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I have to catch up on pins from last year. Shut up, man. <laughs> Shut up. Um, We do. Okay. Actually, 
So one thing that keeps happening is we keep getting new weird bears, and it makes me want to say, oh, that's perfect. I'm about to order another wave that's the of shirts. Yeah. But what I think what's happening is I keep saying that in episodes, and people are like, yeah, I'll sign up. Yeah. So it's like, I just want to say, I'm really trying to already have them be ordered, yeah. and there was some sort of mistake reason why I couldn't last. Like, there was literally a problem with the website I order them from. I am going to try and do that on Thursday of next week. Okay. So if I do that, then it will be a little while before you get your jersey if you sign up for Weird Bear after Thursday. Yeah. So that's literally we not tomorrow, but the next day. Yep. So if you are trying to jump in, and if that if that is if that does explain why people are jumping on, if if it's after Thursday, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Sure. Um, let's talk Galactic Council Pulse. So we are in the second round. Uh, there are two options left. <laughs> Y'all did it again. We did it again. Here are your two options. You get to pick one of these. Uh, to do the next Galactic Council episode. Uh, tournament structure, past and future. Yep. Um, we will not repeat stuff from this episode. I know it will be an overload of tournament stuff. We'll take a break if this if, if sure. either of these win, which, well, one of them has to, so shut up, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> um, tournament structure, past and future. We're going to get into the nuts and bolts of you know what we want to do with the tournament uh in the future yeah. as far as how it yeah how it's structured what what we liked about the past drafts uh, maps yeah layout of the rounds all of that stuff all what's that stuff. worked in the past what hasn't worked and yeah. what we want to see going forward what next it's a little glimpse of 2022's tournament yeah and then the second option is best tournament factions which is obviously maybe going to be a little similar to discussion that we had earlier in this episode yeah it will be a lot more about theory crafting and we will definitely get in the weeds as far as what makes the best tournament factions, the best tournament factions. And also we can get more historical yeah. uh, and talk about in the past, what were the Pre-P-O-K best tournament okay factions stuff, but yeah. then trying to run that forward into like, okay, but how could things continue next year? We learned a yeah. lot this tournament people. Yeah. There were factions we didn't know enough about early in the prelims that we learned. And then people started adapting their play for it. Like, will we see extra perform as well next year? Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Homebrewers Guild, give me more uh, Omega Mechs. Um, I am collect. I, I actually the other day spent some time downloading the stuff the Homebrewers Guild uh, has so kindly uh, kind of added into the channel. Yeah. Um, and I am gonna. Uh, we are gonna do that game eventually. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. I've been really nebulous about it lately. Um, I'm gonna be a little more specific and say, don't expect me to do this before the finals. It's not yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, give us a minute. But we are. I am. We are currently trying to. We- you know, get all of our normal stuff done, but also test the finals map. Yes, we, we actually to- just made a bunch of changes to it today right. that I need to test. Yeah. Um. So I, I, and what sucks is we can't stream that without revealing Listen, the finals. We've been doing the tournament, uh, which is like hardcore strategy stuff. We will get so wacky yes. when the finals are done because we are we thirst for it. Hunter and yeah. I are both like, I need to take a chill pill and hang out. On, I just need to hang out and do goofy games. Need for some a hang while. time. Um, yeah. YouTube semifinals are uh, up, or they're either already up, or there's like one or two left, and they need to, they will be up in the next yep. couple of days. The finals of the Space Cat Space Turtles Patreon tournament tournament tournament. It's Friday, August 7th of 1400 UTC. Do you get it yet? Friday, August 7th. Friday? No. Saturday. Saturday, August 7th. Saturday, August 7th, 1400 UTC. So it's on August 7th, 1400 UTC, as that's when the finals, that's the last game. Six players. Six players remain. When they are the best, everyone else We've been doing this since March. Signups were in January. We've been talking about it since November of last year. It's ridiculous that's when we start our whole life is this actually that's now. not even true we started talking about this 
after last year's yeah, tournament. Yeah, immediately. Ended. That's how this works now. Is this this we have an on season and an off season now yeah. of of Space Cats Peace Turtles. Yeah, basically. So yeah. Uh, so if you like all of that, if you like all of these things that we do, uh-huh, what you can uh-huh, do is uh-huh. rate us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, on YouTube. Uh, go subscribe to us on Twitch. Follow us on Twitch. F- find us on all these outlets and give us the button clicks. You know, yeah. that stuff helps. You can also uh, contribute to us on our Patreon. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can join our Discord. You can join buy some merch. All of that info is available at SpaceCatsPeaceTurtles.com. The Discord's pretty cool. Uh, a lot of hanging, talking, uh, Star Trek. Do we talk? We we didn't talk about Star Trek. We have to talk about Star Trek. Okay, now welcome to. I have to pee so bad. We're done. It's over. It's over. The episode's over. I just end it because I'm gonna explode. Okay, fine. All right, it's over. Okay, Hunter, whatever. I'm gonna go. If you want to talk about Star Trek for a minute, you you by all means you talk for a minute. I gotta go though. Goodbye. So Elementary, my dear Data, was the most recent episode I watched, which is funny because Tim Pratt was talking about that. And our in last week's episode, he was talking about that one. That one's really good. Um, I really like Jordy and Data friendship episodes because they have the most delightful little friendship. Um, I am definitely going to make Matt watch that episode, especially because it connects to that really good one in like season six. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Pulaski, Dr. Pulaski, how we feel about this lady. Uh, she's classically uh, considered horrible, like a bad character, uh, by the fandom. But I actually think she's kind of funny because of how much she hates Data. And I actually think the fans hate her just because she she hates uh, and has prejudice against uh, their most favorite character. I actually kind of enjoy characters that have major flaws like that in their perspective. Um, so sound off in the comments if you want to hear uh, or if you like Dr. Pulaski. I'm looking for those Pulaski heads. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. Or not popular enough so they were never chosen. Is that correct? Actually, I think there might be some... That, was there not a faction that was never picked? Because nope. I only see 24 on this list in front of us. That's 20, There are 24 factions in the game, Hunter. There are 24 factions in the game. <laughs> For some reason, I thought in my head there were 27. No, nope, there are 24. Anyways, but th- three is the, the bottom of the barrel. You had stuff like... You're gonna, well, you're just going to leave that in? Like my my number mistake right there. You just I'll I'll save you. I'll (laughs) save you, boy. No, I was gonna make a bit out of it if you weren't gonna leave. (laughs) If you were just gonna leave it in. This is why I should get to edit the show. (laughs) 